0: Welcome to Kingdom of Context. I'm Sean, and I want to thank you for joining us for this wonderful conversation this evening, where we have him with Noel J. Hadley of the Unexpected Cosmology. And but before we do, though, I just want to say a big thank you to all the moderators that are in the live chat. Um, thank you for keeping it civil. Thank you for holding it down. Encouraging people to stick with uh, loving disagreement and or um, uh, just scriptural citation. You know, just we always try to remind folks we build our doctrine off scripture. So. Uh, I would love to encourage our moderators to do that as well, right Just encourage folks that come in that are new that may have just found us. hey, we build everything off scripture as, as much as possible. you know we try not to we try not to add conjecture. so this is why you'll probably see a lot of scripture in the live chat. Um, but thank you guys for being here and uh, we also want to say if you haven't already, check out days This is a new project that we've been working on creating an animated series, about the lifespan of noah 400 years before the flood and 300 years after the flood and uh, our goal is to make this eight full seasons with approximately 16 episodes per season it's an animated series and uh, there's there's a couple of ways that you can support us either at visit uh, days of Noah.tv, or if you want to become a monthly patron you can do that as well um, we have a lot more this is an older picture we've got i think we've got over 35 patrons now and Uh, maybe 20 posts or whatnot. You get to see basically the posts or content that you don't get to see on our socials or on the channel. As of right now, you get to see more behind the scenes content than normal, as well as different, different uh, progress reports, if you will, about how, how the production of this is coming along. We're super excited about it. So go check that out. And um, for those of you who haven't seen it and are not aware, here's a short little teaser. All right, guys, check out those days to see more about the project and see how you can become a part and support this. If we don't fund these kinds of things ourselves, Netflix, Hulu, Hollywood, they're not going to pick up these types of projects that try to be scripturally accurate. So this is how we can create this content for ourselves and for our children in the future to come. So without further ado, I want to uh, bring on to the program. This is our brother in the faith, Noel J. Hadley from the Unexpected Cosmology. Hey, welcome, brother. Thank you, Sean, for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you on. Um so I think we wanted to chat about pretty much just the kingdom, right? Because I think I'm of the, the position that uh, the kingdom is yet to be here, that it's going to descend through the firmaments and be here forever once it gets here. And you're the position that I guess it did come in the past at some point. I'm going to let you kind of explain more about how you see that, that you think it you, it already was here and then it is gone. And that now we're, we're in the uh, Revelation 27 through nine timeframe. Is that correct? A good summation?
1: Yeah. Uh, of my investigation. Definitely. Yes.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So my audience is, is well familiar with my stance on, on the kingdom of God to come. Um, we do teach. It's a literal kingdom. I think you do too. And we teach it's a literal kingdom. It's not a metaphoric application of anything. Literally the father and the son and their house come down to the earth. All the nations will stream to it and there'll be peace on earth for a thousand years. After that is a second resurrection. And that means uh, everyone that will have been resurrected will be at that point, And everyone that's destined for the lake of fire will have been thrown into the lake of fire at that point. And there'll be no more sin on the earth after the thousand years. And there'll be uh, peace on earth forever with the father and the son and the new Jerusalem still on the earth uh, abiding forever. So that's been our take since uh, we started our channel back in 2018. And uh, I'll just give you a chance to explain to the audience how you view it.
1: Sure. And if you don't mind, can I give a little bit uh... If you don't mind if i can give a little introduction about myself
0: sure uh, absolutely my
1: name of course as sean said is uh noel joshua hadley and i am the creator the head writer the editor-in-chief and the bottle of tartar sauce over at the unexpected cosmology now the unexpected cosmology or T U C you see tuck, is is many things uh it's a, it's a website it's an online magazine it's a youtube channel uh uh Appreciate everyone's uh, likes and you know subscribe, subscriptions and so on and so forth, uh, as well as a weekly Sabbath congregation and ministry. But it's also much more than that. Uh, we're book we're book publishers. We're putting out at least one new book uh, every single month, uh, as well as a monthly magazine, and we have uh, subscriptions for both of those. Now, starting out, uh, just so you guys all know, I started out probably right when Sean did with uh, the flat Earth and. Uh, of course, for me, the, it was the Flat Earth and the Mandela effect. Those two were really big for me. But the Flat Earth led to uh, the Torah. I I, I I, don't know. I think Sean has a pretty similar story to that. Uh, Robsky was a huge influence on me. Uh, I started getting interested in hoaxes. And this, this information all really plays into where we're at as well. Uh, So here's just some of my write-ups. The Sandy Hook hoax, Boston bombing, the Osama bin Laden hoax, the Titanic hoax, it never sank, guys, went to uh, Nova Scotia safely. The JFK assassination hoax, never happened, fake footage, RFK uh, assassination hoax, Patty Hearst hoax, Jim Jones hoax, the Holocaust, that was a big hoax. Uh, The atomic bomb was a hoax, the AIDS, that was a hoax, in the 80s as well, the 90s, a germ theory, that's another hoax. Uh, won't say any trigger words. Hopefully, they'll get you in trouble, Sean. Uh, the Manson murders, uh, the Donner Party hoax, eighteen forty nine California Gold Rush, Jim, Jim Morrison death. It goes on and on and on. Uh, and and then I started getting into the mysteries of heaven, uh, getting really interested in that, and 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 writing papers on this for my for the unexpected cosmology, uh, such as pre existence. Uh, the feminine Ruach, ha- uh, the feminine Ruach uh, Serpent Seed. I know you're a big fan of that one, Sean. Uh, and the oh, here's one: the Does Yahusha have a wife? Question. Uh, and of course, there's the marriage of Ruachoth. Right now, we are currently investigating, uh, or been pursuing the question: Is Yahuwah Yahusha? Uh, in slightly different terms, is Yahuwah the Son of the Most High? And this isn't modalism, by the way. Um, and of course the father's name would be Allah Hayam. So, uh, I would consider what we're going to talk about tonight, the millennial kingdom, uh, a part of the mysteries, the mysteries of heaven. Uh, and with a lot of these that I have mentioned, I typically like to keep to my own swimming lane. I don't typically like to talk about them outside of my own circle. Um, I just wait for those to, you know, to to find me. Um, So I don't do a lot of these kind of talks outside of the unexpected cosmology. And there's a number of reasons why, but uh, maybe we'll get to those later tonight. I I do want everyone to know that at at Tuck, my theme verse is Revelation 14, 12. Uh, Sean, you're probably very familiar with that one. Revelation 14, 12 talks about the uh, perseverance of the saints, and it's those who keep the Father's commands and the testimony of Yehusha HaMashiach all right? So that gives a lot of uh, a, a breathing space. As long as you're coming over, I'll bring guest writers in, all sorts of people. As long as you can uphold the Yehusha HaMashiach is the, the the Messiah, or obviously it's in the title, but the testimony of Yehusha HaMashiach and the Father's commands, we're good to go. We can start looking at a lot of different stuff. Uh, Tuck is a community where people are free to discuss different ideas, uh, Paul, pro or against. Uh, we have a you know, talk the calendar, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we have a lot of, uh, I think there's some QAnons in the um, in the crowd tonight. Um, and, you know, I love uh, learning from them. Even though I don't I don't hold uh, Anon conclusions, I love learning them. Okay, really quickly, one more thing. Uh, over the last few months, I've been putting out a lot of um, uh, books on the subject we're going to be discussing tonight. I probably have dozens of papers on it. Some of these papers will be 150, 300 pages long. Uh, this one right here uh, came out a couple uh Few months ago, the hidden wilderness. This is one of those conversations that people should be having that they don't know about. Uh, if you see it on camera, there. Uh, this one right here. This is the first ever commentary on the Gospel of Peter. Bezorakifa. Uh, to my understanding, there's never been a line-for-line commentary on this amazing book. And I go through here and I show how Pontius Pilate was a patsy. He was innocent. He did not crucify Mashiach. He was actually the Pharisees. They're the ones to uh, beat him, to put the robe on him, the crown of thorns, uh, spit on him, put him on the cross. It was all the, the Pharisees. Uh, this one right here, you're going to love this one, Sean. Um, Mary Magdalene, Wife of Messiah, my investigation into, man, it's like crickets tonight. I can't get this show on camera. Uh, I was sitting down with Zen Garcia recently uh, for dinner and he's like, Noel, like Zinn Garcia is a friend of mine, but he's like, Noel, you're the most controversial person I know. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Like that, the Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Zin. Uh, And then this one right here, we're not going to talk about this stuff, but it, it ties in with the, the short season, of Deception, and Land, the the Mandela Effect. So those are some of the things. And those are just reports i published in the last few months. I just want to throw those out there. Um, and um, I'll be publishing several more over the next few months, such as uh, – uh, let's see what else. Uh, the Glorious Appearing of Yehushah HaMashiach, that's coming out next month. That's on the, the fifthry generation from 30 to 70 AD. Uh, there's the 7,000-year uh, timeline deception, which I hope to talk about tonight. Kings and Priests of the Thousand-Year Reign, which I hope to talk about tonight. And there's several other books. I don't need to get into them. So my my position in the most simplest terms is uh, I in my investigation, I think that all signs point to the fact that we are living in the short season of deception. Uh, I, I can't think of any other time where we are literally being lied to about everything. Satan is just lying to us. He's like on the rampage, and uh, so my my investigation has been looking back on did the the what we call the millennial kingdom. I don't like to say the kingdom because the kingdom is eternal. Okay, it's not going away. But did the something that the, the timestamp of the thousand year reign. Did it already, is it behind us? Did it already happen? And we're talking physically. Okay. So this is going to be a new position that probably a lot of your listeners have never heard before. Everyone's used to the whole, the preterist spiritual thing. And I'm not going to argue for any of that.
0: Okay. Real quick. I'm going to put this on screen just for everyone watching. Um, And uh, I want them to be able to, to have a reference point for what you just mentioned, the short season. So this is the idea here in Revelation 20, in verse 7. The thousand year, when the thousand years are complete, Satan will be released from his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to assemble them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the seashore. And they marched across the the broad expanse of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But the fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who has, who has deceived them was thrown into lake of fire and sulfur into which the beast and the false prophet had already been thrown. There they will be tormented to day and night forever and ever. Is that the right passage that you're going off of satan's yeah. let out okay so you think that we're in this moment where he's going out to assemble uh from the four the nations from the four corners to assemble them for battle yes okay okay well um i guess uh let me know some of the some of the points that you've developed in this in, the, in your idea and how you think we're in that season right now
1: well let's let's start with a fun a uh, little party fact here. Uh, now, I'm on Kingdom in Context. And of course, the station, you know, Kingdom in Context, right, the whole, it's self-explanatory. You're, you're putting the kingdom in context. And of course, you know, from where you're sitting, you're looking and go, man, this guy's kingdom out of context right here. But uh, your name is also uh, Sean Griffin. And uh, interestingly enough, the Griffin is the, uh, the symbol of greater Tartary. Which might in fact be, um, you know, part of the kingdom. So, few few fun facts here on the Griffin. Uh, the House of Griffin. So your name Griffin. It comes from the House of Griffin. The House of Griffin um, did not receive its name until the short season. I'll be talking more about when I believe the short season began. Uh, but uh, the it, this happened after the Griffin dynasty fell from power, and uh, they they were rulers up in uh, your relative your relations.
0: The uh, European relatives. Yeah,
1: were, yeah they were rulers up in Pomerania. If anyone knows, it no longer exists. It's like northern Deutschland today. And uh, it was, of course, a subsection of greater Tartary. Now, the, the Griffin itself, they used to, uh, the, the historians, Herodotus, Pliny the Elder, and of course other historians all talk of their existence. They said they lived in the Far East. The griffin, interestingly enough, was monogamous and it uh, chose a single mate for its entire life. And if the mate died, they would never remarry again. And they would hide gold under their nest uh, suggesting, of course, alchemy but more so knowledge. So that's just a little fun. A little uh, fun I must, have missed,
0: must have missed out on that hereditary trait. No, oh, okay. no gold over here.
1: Okay. Well, uh, okay. So I think the best place to start is with the mud flood. And you you might appreciate this, Sean, that, you know, when you come to the, the flat earth, and this is not the best example, because when you talk about Pandora's box, it's talking about demons coming out. But, you know, you open up Pandora's box and all these things come out, right? Like the flat earth opens up everything. And that's what the mud flood does for a lot of people. Now, I, I'm going to explain the mud flood because I was at Zin Garcia's conference uh, two, three months ago, and I was asked to speak on the Millennial Kingdom. I was the only speaker there who had any view like this. And it, to my horror, I, um, Zen's uh, daughter-in-law, Joy, she comes up to me and she's like, you're going to be spending the whole time talking about the mud flood, right? I'm like, no, I'm going to spend like two minutes talking about the mud flood. And she's like, she's like, oh, well, we don't know what the mud flood is. And all these people were coming up to me going, are you the, uh, are you the mud man? And I'm like, I, I guess you can call me the mud man. And they're like, yeah, we just heard about the mud flood 15 minutes ago. So so for anyone who doesn't know what the mud flood is, the mud flood was a worldwide event. It could have been a series of events uh, that were all tied in with each other that we speculate happened about 200, 220 years ago. Just give a nice clean date, 1812. It looks good on paper. It could have been 1800, could have been 1850. I don't really know. But the mud flood Uh, buried uh, the cities of the world in about 15, uh, anywhere from 12 to 15 on average feet of mud some places much deeper. I mean, some places have developed whole uh, buildings or uh, structures. Uh, but uh, I live in the, the city of Charleston. And this is, what, this is what's one of the great thing about the mud flood. It's just like the flat earth. Everyone can go out and test this. You don't have to watch YouTube videos on this. You can go out to any old city, go to Philadelphia, Boston, Seattle, probably Los Angeles, go to you know, places in Texas or the Midwest, uh, St. Louis, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Savannah, Georgia. You can go to all these places. You could test and you could see that the city is buried. I have taken people through my own hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, and I have shown that there is there are literally you can lift up the grates and you could see about 12 feet down that there are uh, front doors of homes down there and windows completely buried. Now, you ask people about this, and they'll be like, oh, well, Charleston, it, it uh, floods a lot. And you're like, well, then why would you build down? That doesn't make any sense. If, in the places that flood, you build up. You build on stilts. You don't build down. And we, we see this everywhere, Chicago, all over, all over the world. And, um, and, and some of the big giveaways is when you have, like, these archways that are bricked in about a foot off the ground. And these aren't crawl spaces. Some of these you will look and they will be so big, these gates. They were they, they were big enough to push uh, horses and carts through. And there will be um, gate hinges. They, they would leave gate hinges on there. And one of the great things about Charleston is that it's all historic district now. They can't change anything on the outside. But that's how lazy they were, you know. Now, the fallacy a lot of people will, will take when they hear about this, they're like, "Well, oh, just Noah's flood. It's like, oh, okay, really? Like, that was Noah's flood? Because... If that was Noah's flood, then you didn't even need to get on the ark. You just climbed to the top of Notre Dame and and ride up the uh, flood with the, the with the hunchback, you know. Um, and so, so go ahead. In,
0: in this in this part of the theory uh, where you're tying in mud flood to um, s- support the idea of the kingdom has come and gone. Um, as we go through the eighteen hundreds in the United States and you have the, the history of the townships being settled throughout the, the expansion of the United States. Um, just to try to address what you're talking about here is, is it possible that, that, um, some of these, and I agree, I've, I've seen buildings where there's like a basement layer. And then when they do excavation to put a new road in, you can see there was that the city had built up on top of the r- roads upon roads, right. Yeah. Which made the first layer turned into like a basement and in some, in many, in many streets. But, um, is it possible that just that some cities were built in lowlands because that was, you know, the most, that was the most uh, pioneer friendly place to build a city and then over time they realized those lands have could have been a flood zone and so then they had to uh, figure out proper dams or you know proper renavigation of waterways so it didn't flood as much and then decided to and then built up over time like cities do because isn't there isn't it kind of like a historical um, concept that in Europe and, and the Middle East that that there has been like they're digging down 30 40 feet down and finding ancient roman roads and ancient israelite you know, buildings and temples and graves and things that they they find scrolls dating back to like 2000 B.C.
1: Right. I mean, you could go to the geological columns and you could, you know, find your way down through history there, too. Uh, the, the difference here is one of the reasons I bring up America, Europe is is is, you know, easy, but America is the big giveaway because. The, the biggest, you know, explanation people have outside of Noah's flood, which as I said, it can't be, they'll say, well, if you don't, you know, sweep off your front porch over 200 years, it will, you know, accumulate, you know, so many feet of dust. And it's like, you know, Oh, sorry, honey. Um, I didn't sweep off the porch for the last hundred years. I can't go grocery shopping. I'll just build a new uh, front door on the second layer, you know, and go from there. And so I, I do hear these explanations and you could, you know, find, you know, maybe, rare cities out there where maybe that's the case and they would have been recorded in their books. But we're talking about an event that is not recorded in any books. Like I, again, my city of Charleston, my city of Charleston has started two of the American wars, the American revolution, as well as the uh, American civil war. And they had a lot of history here and the Illuminati uh, history books never once you know, mention anything like this, right? They never mention where the, the they sunk down or the dust accumulated or anything like that. So we have a major problem worldwide. This is clearly a worldwide event that the governments of the world, just like they're all in on, you know, Antarctica, they're all in on the moon and space and all that kind of stuff. They're in on this. They are hiding a, a, a major event that happens only 200. It could have been 150 years ago. It may not have
0: been that long ago. We really don't know. Okay. So, so just just for clarity, for the audience's sake, because um, some people are confused in the live chat. So you're you're not claiming that that the biblical flood of Noah didn't happen. You're just saying this is a much more recent event that you and your community are uh, hypothesizing there was some sort of worldwide cataclysmic flooding of mud.
1: Yeah. Not, so not
0: just water, but just mud. Yeah. So uh, it's, why, it's why a, the mud? Like yeah, why? It, where'd that come from? It's a little normally, bit- Sorry, go ahead. ahead. It's a
1: liquefaction event. So like um, you can actually uh, there are examples of mud floods that happen in the modern day. And you will have that where the ground will literally liquefy. And uh, a good good example of um, uh, we have examples here in Charleston of churches that are actually uh, leaning. Uh, like the Leaning Tower Pisa, Leaning Tower Pisa was also probably the result of the mud flood. It was when the ground liquefied and just went, kind of leaned over. Uh, So we have those. So yes, when I talk about Noah's flood, what I'm trying to do is, I'm I'm not saying Noah's flood didn't happen. I'm clarifying to anyone listening that this is not noah's flood this cannot be explained by noah's flood and if it was noah's flood we would have bigger problems because now we have the city of charleston that has apparently going all the way back to noah's day and nobody talked about it till a couple hundred years ago right so yeah
0: now wasn't the city of charleston established around the 1600s yes okay
1: yes so, uh, Ch- charlestown charlestown landing yeah
0: yeah interesting um yeah i've got family in uh Grinsville and anderson Um, So it's beautiful country over there. And so basically the liquefaction concept is what you're, you're referring to. Um, And you don't think that that was caused by earthquakes over time, but instead was a singular worldwide or continent wide event.
1: Or a series of events that happened very closely together. It could have happened, you know, 20, and
0: and respectfully that is, that is taking your word for it, that it was liquefaction and not just simply civilization over time, building stronger roads on top of old foundations.
1: Yeah. Well, see, the thing is about the mud flood, too, it's it. You, you can't just go with official history because we're finding, you know, buildings that they tell us were built in like 1880, 1890. And we're like, no, no way. No way. So these are way older and
0: because so of the me, architecture.
1: Yeah, because of the architecture. Yeah. And. And so I'm trying to figure out how I can explain this to everyone in the, the simplest, you know, way possible. So maybe I could just go over my my timeline, my proposed timeline, and you feel free. You can feel free to pick it apart. Um, you, you'll have to stand in line, of course, because a lot of the other Millennial Kingdom people they they don't like my timeline either. This is something that I'm proposing. It's not a representation of the greater community. So, okay. and, this, um, and
0: I, this timeline is of the mud flood, or of the, when the kingdom showed up and and now is gone.
1: So, yeah. So let me, let me, uh, I'll tie in the mud flood in a second here. Okay. So okay. Um, I, I think that we're probably 2000 years removed from Messiah. There was a time where I was thinking maybe we we're like a thousand years removed or something like that. You know, the history was all rewritten. I think we're, I, I, I can't put a date on it. Like we are really like, you know, 2023, I don't know what year we are. We're probably about 2000 years removed. My, um, my, investigation is leading me to suspect that in the 500s uh rome fell and the kingdom of messiah was ushered in physically okay so it came in in the 500s and the the dark ages began now this is orwellian language for the age of lights
0: i don't want to be rude but you're going to say some things as you're going as you're walking through this that i want to stop and ask questions on sure would you would you uh, if, if I wait till you're done, I may forget all my poignant questions. Sure. <laughs> so I like your Charlie Brown mug, by the way. So um, um, I don't know exactly when you want me to stop and ask questions.
1: No, that, that's fine. If you want a clarification, uh, go, okay. go for
0: it. So when you because you made a statement just now that seems like a massive statement in my perspective. OK, what when you said around in five hundreds Roman Empire fell and then you're I mean, you know, are we talking Constantinople or are you just talking the, the, the West Roman Empire? Like, what are we talking but even, even that aside, if we're looking at the, the kingdom of God being ushered in at that time, to me, when I see that stuff in Scripture, I mean, I, I see the first resurrection tied to that. I mm-hmm. see all nations coming to the kingdom and learning Torah forever. Um, I see peace on earth. I see no more warfare. I see the the um, the Ecclesiastes 2, you know, the, 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 the knowledge of the Lord will cover the waters as the seas. I don't see... Dark ages ushered in, and more warfare, the rise of the Islamic Empire, uh, the, the the Han Dynasty taking over. Like I don't, I don't see all that in Scripture. So, how would you reconcile that?
1: Well, I said when I said dark ages, I specifically said that's Orwellian language. It's it's opposite. So they're telling us, it's it's opposite. So they're telling us it was the dark ages, and I'm saying it was the age of light. All right, it was the Millennial Kingdom of Yehusha Hamashiach. So, I believe it went from the 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 dark ages last from 500 to 1500 which is right where I'm proposing it was 500 to 1500 1500 is uh the total rebellion against the kingdom and what do we go into we go into the age of enlightenment so think in Orwellian language again we go into the age of total rebellion where people are seeking the divine within the occult comes to fruition they're bringing it out in the artwork and we go on from there so we
0: so the um, Good, Gutenberg bible is is just a forgery is that the idea the 1500s Gutenberg bible just a forgery
1: well, I don't know why it would be a, a forgery
0: because um, it's dated it's dated to that time period as that was the moment that the printing press allowed for the Word of God to be systematically yeah. spread further than it ever had been before. yeah um, pe- people were being martyred for printing that Bible. Um, I mean, so
1: yeah. well, think about this. So one of the best ways you could uh, divide people was the Roman Catholic Church running the Protestant Reformation. And it was, in my opinion, even before I came to this millennial kingdom uh, research, I was of the opinion that it was run by the Roman Catholic Church. It's like, oh, don't print that. Don't, you know, and you, yeah. get, you get hundreds of denominations coming in, tearing people apart, uh, particularly in Europe where the millennial kingdom was uh, very heavily focused. Uh, so,
0: so okay. wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. I'm, I'm really confused because are you not assuming that the, the, the Protestant Reformation was basically a PSYOP, uh, you know? Disinform, different, disinformation campaign by the roman catholic church meaning wouldn't that in, inherently mean that the, the roman catholics were in power during the millennial reign before that
1: no and um in fact it's, okay it's so help, take, help it's clarify gonna, it's, help it's clarify take, it's, this is layers This can take you a long time to see this worldview here okay just so you okay. know sean my yeah. opinion is that the flat earth was a government style okay
0: the flat um, earth you mean the are you talking about like disk in space with water falling off it next to planets or are you talking about the ferment structure as described by the scriptures
1: DC you see behind me i got a flat earth map right here okay yeah but it doesn't have a it doesn't
0: i, I agree that's a flat earth uh, depiction the, the, the AE map but it doesn't have the, a dome over it doesn't have a the, so i didn't dome, know what 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 model you believed in
1: the well I, I could talk about that tonight the flat earth movement that started in 2015 was a government psyop so there's a lot of government it was Totally, it was on the cards that in Project Bluebeam all the way since the 1970s, there were whistleblowers coming out saying that they were going to push the flat Earth. So the thing is, is that there's no when we're talking about government psyops, it's there's nothing that's just black and white in this. You okay. have you have Yaw, um, you have Yaw on the move, you have Satan on the move. They're both playing. They had got agents everywhere. And so when I talk about psyops, I'm talking about in our physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm. There's all sorts of things happening. So it. I'm not going to give you a lot of clean um, uh, definitions tonight. So,
0: okay. But real quick though, cause we're talking about the kingdom, right? You said 500 sure. to 1500 was a thousand year millennial reign. And that's, that's, my that's, guess. that's your hypothesis. That's the theory yeah. you're working with. I could change it. Yeah. Okay. So, but I, I was asking for like signifiers uh, signs that in that, how the kingdom was ushered in. Um, and then we went to the 1500s at the latter end of it, where you said now the reformation was basically just Orwellian language for what would truly be the dark ages if people are moving out of the kingdom of light, out of Torah into the reformation of pagan ideology and philosophy, but, not the, re- re- not the
1: reformation. Yeah, same,
0: it. same thing. It's a form of Gnosticism. But what I'm saying, what I asked you though, was if we had a 1500s Bible being printed, uh, that was then shared with everybody, which talks about the kingdom to come and the, and the enlightenment and how to follow Jesus Christ and change mm-hmm. your life and, and obey the Torah. But you're saying that was part of a psyop. By the catholics but my question is that assumes your cath the catholics were already in power in order to be able to do a psyop so the history that we do have that is that is accepted is that the catholics did hold power from since you know approximately the eighth ninth century
1: i wouldn't assume that but i don't know why okay. you're assuming that so then
0: well i'm just trying to understand your statement is all i'm asking i'm just trying to break this down for the audience to follow to understand your statement of where do you think how okay so 1500s the millennial reign is over in your in your view and then what, the Catholics immediately rose to power and started the Protestant Reformation?
1: Um, Well, you you have a lot of interesting events happening in around 1500. You have, yeah, the start of the Reformation, you have the Enlightenment, you have the discovery of America, the Spaniards, the Conquistadors coming over, uh, uh, the fall of the Knight Templar right beforehand, some really interesting things happening. Um, So let me just go back, let me help you with the, the mile marker. Maybe it would be best to talk about 500 because i know that the i know some of the big hang-ups for you are new jerusalem the resurrection um so what are the comments uh statements by let's see if i could pull this up here uh by peter and it comes from second peter i'm trying to find my notes on this i can't find it anywhere bizarre
0: second peter uh, 310
1: where he talks about the the milk uh the okay yeah so the perfect heat so. We have in uh, Second uh, Peter 3, 5 through 10, everybody knows this. He talks about how the old world perished with water. And then he says Sodom and Gomorrah is the mile marker where now Yah's going to be judging with fire. And so well, another interesting thing similar to the mud flood is that all around the world, we have these melted cities. They're everywhere on every continent, um, all through, uh, particularly through Turkey, Greece. All through all through Europe, we have it through Asia. We have it all here in America. I mean, you go to the Grand Canyon; that looks like a like a treeing effect, like 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 type of lightning type thing went through there and just melted the whole society. But all the way up through Salt Lake City up into the Rockies, uh, Utah, New Mexico, tons of melted cities in there. It looked like there was a massive uh, population that was in there. And in fact, of course, you know California was an island at one time, um, and we we see the residue of it today. Uh, but the uh, the question is is that when did these melted city when did this judgment event happen because kifa is saying this is going to be coming and this is going to be the signifier um well i would say of the millennial kingdom but again so we have what, all
0: the what about this though because you just mentioned this scripture mm-hmm. and you're, you're you're attributing um evidence of what looks like destroyed settlements across the the south the the western part of the united states to oh, Okay. Okay. So you're distributing, you're distributing artifacts of destroyed cities that look like they're melted. And and I agree with you. This was a common tactic in ancient warfare was to melt your enemy's cities. When you're done, you burned every, the whole land with fire. This was literally the campaign of Nebuchadnezzar throughout the Middle East. Um, but this says the heavens will disappear with a roar. So how do you reconcile this statement with your theory? Uh,
1: the heavens will disappear with a roar. Uh, well, you know, I, we could talk about the stars and all sorts of things the stars come and go the heavens come and go um i don't believe that the yeah i I have no comment on that but what i do know is that we have uh all across the world we have uh signs that there was a serious judgment melting events now my personal view now i place this around 500 um a.d with the arrival of the phoenix and when the phoenix arrived that's when the resurrection event happened um, the, let's see here, let's talk about the, let's talk about the phoenix. The phoenix is really interesting because, uh, we have in first Clement, uh, chapter 25, he's talking about the resurrection to come. And he says, uh, verse two here, he says, there is a, uh, he, oh, he said, let us consider the wonderful sign that happens in the region of the East. Now the context here in chapter 24 is he's talking about the resurrection. He says, there is a bird, which is called the phoenix. And this being, uh, uh, this this one lives for 500 years. And then I'm going to skip a little bit ahead. And he says, the priest, therefore, in are um, in, in Egypt, uh, look into the registers of the times and find that it has come at the completion of the 500th year. All right. So then we come over to the, uh, I think this is Tatticus. Ah, I had it written down and now I don't T- have Placidus. it. Tacitus. Yeah. And he yeah. talks about, um, of course, a Roman historian. And uh, he says uh, that he talks about the Phoenix. What's really interesting, he, he talks about how it arrives every 500 years, too. And it, he talks about the, they've been documenting this event, uh, arrives every 500 years. But then he said something really strange happened. And he said that under, um, uh, let's see, it was under, oh, Tiberius. He said it showed up unexpectedly under Tiberius. All right. So when we talk about the resurrection, um, of course, this was a swoop attack, a surprise attack. Who shall was a surprise attack. I have a, I have a whole bunch of papers on this. that Satan didn't even know who he was. Um, he, you know, he he when he brought him down to Sheol, he's like he he died, maybe he's a prophet. We we don't really know who this guy is. But um, so course- wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait! You're saying in the Gospels, Satan and the unclean spirits did not know who the Son of God was.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yes.
0: So what about the demons that directly say, "Oh, Son of God, have you come to torment us before the appointed time?"
1: I talk about that in my, uh, my book, uh, Bizarre Kifa about um, many times when unclean spirits or even the Jews would even prophesy about things. that just it would come out. Um, the, the the idea that when Satan was tempting him in the wilderness, he was trying to get information on him. Michael Heiser talks about this, too. And uh, he was trying to get information on him, And then he was quoting from Psalms. Uh, I can't remember what Psalms it is. Psalm moment. 91. Yeah, about the angels catching him. And he said, jump. And he didn't jump. And then when you get to the gospel of Nicodemus and
0: how, how was that infor- information reconnaissance instead of just straight trying to tempt him to sin?
1: It could be tempting to him sin, but I'm saying it was a reconnaissance. He was there to get information out of him. Part okay. of the reason, part of the, like I said, it could be tempting him, was, but I don't see what's uh, tempting about, you know, about eating bread or, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that, um, I mean, he turned a lot of things into, you know, the loaves of fish and the bread and that kind of stuff. But here's here's the thing. So when you get to the uh, the Gospel of Nicodemus, or you could even say the Gospel of um, uh, Why
0: Why are these unclean spirits calling him the Son of God right here and talking about an appointed time of their destruction?
1: I know you tell me, Sean.
0: I'm just asking in your theory. How do How does this play into your theory?
1: Oh, I already explained. They were. I didn't hear your
0: explanation. I apologize. Could you try it again?
1: They were prophesying, like when you go into the uh, Gospel of Kefa, the um, the Jews when they're crucifying him, they're calling him the Son of God. They're calling him the Son of Elohim. Doesn't they did believe he was the Son of Elohim, but they were calling him that as they're running down the road beating him. So you you get this, you know, a, a lot. It's, you know, the interesting thing about the Gospel of Nicodemus is that um, it, it follows a narrative where. The Jews were, of course, they were working for Hasatan, their father of lies, as we see in John, I think it's chapter 10. And uh, when when Hasatan finally figures out who Messiah is, that's when the Jews also figure out who he is, too. And the book actually ends with them going, that the final line, I know you've read the Gospel of Nicodemus, I know you know this, but the, the final chapter, the final line that they're, they're talking to Pontius Pilate and they go, we have figured out that he is the uh, the." you know, son of the most high. And of course they had to double down at that point. They could have decided to worship him. They're like, no, we don't want to do it. Um, so it, it's a management, right? That they didn't know who he was because Hasatan didn't even know who he was. Um. So, okay. Going back, let me, let me, let me, I could talk more about the Phoenix and the Phoenix is important, but let me, let me back up a little bit. Cause I know that you like the Greek LXX. um, And It was some time ago, about two or three years ago, I was doing a line for line study through the Aramaic Targum. I know you're not a fan of that, but that's not the point. What we were doing was is we were taking the Aramaic Targum and we were lining up with the Masoretic and then the LXX. And we're going through Genesis. And we started to notice a strange observation. We started to notice that the timeline was way off.
0: According to Chapter five and chapter 11. It's very different.
1: Yeah, there's a there's about 2000 years that are that are off. Uh, in, in total. So about 1,500, 2,000 years. I, I, but so w- what happens is, is you, you have uh, Masoretic literature, and then LXX literature, okay? So uh, Jasher, for example, would line up with the uh, the Masoretic. And then you have books like, uh, I mentioned Gospel of Nicodemus, uh, you know, uh, Adam and Eve. I don't think you're a big fan of those books, but you have all these other books and they line up with the Greek LXX. And it's really interesting because according to the Greek LXX, Yulusha HaMashiach arrived in the year 5,500.
0: Well, the gospel of the book of Adam, excuse me, the book of Adam and Eve declares that there's a 5,500 year timeline, and that would have already come and gone. And at the end of that 5,500 year timeline is the kingdom come, the great resurrection no. and all that stuff. No,
1: it, the, it, no, it's the 6,000 year timeline. So, according to Adam and Eve, Gospel of Nicodemus, all those books, there's a 5,500 year timeline when Mashiach is to arrive. And then at the year 6000 is when the kingdom is to come in. So, this is part of using the Greek LXX, the Greek LXX timeline, which I I, I love the Masoretic, okay? I, I love, just like I love the the Targums, I love all these different books. I'm not, yeah. I'm not dissing any books, though the fact is, and you know this, that the Masoretic is about a thousand years, according to the official timeline, about a thousand yeah. years younger than the LXX. And there's some huge problems since the New Testament writers were quoting from the LXX. That's right, uh,
0: yeah. Are you familiar with the second century claims of Justin martyr, um, how the, the, the rabbinical Jewish leaders of the day in the second century because they didn't like the LXX that that uh, Ptolemy had translated, they were commissioning their own, and actually they had commissioned a couple in the first century, but then also again in the second century. This is where even we get, uh, I believe it's the second, it's the Theodosian uh, Greek uh, version of the Old Testament that later Jerome used for the Latin Vulgate. So the point is, Justin Martyr is addressing a Jewish man named Trifo in his book, Dialogue with Trifo, talking directly about this where they he said he had two different Greek manuscripts of the Old Testament. He had the one that was the had all the prophecies about Christ and then one that the Pharisees had created that had been changed slightly to hide Christ. And so this is where I don't think personally, and we've said this on our channel, I don't think that we still have the original Septuagint that the New Testament authors are quoting from. I think that it was changed. There was multiple one different ones commissioned with slightly very different translations to remove prophecies about the Son of God, uh, which which were passed through history. But I agree with you, the Hebrew texts were then later put into an official Masoretic about the eighth ninth century A.D.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that uh, any of the scripture we have, uh, including uh, you know the Aramaic targum, the LXX, all that stuff. I, I think it was probably all tampered with, and I, of course I could always I could always address why. Um, you know why i believe that scripture is trustworthy even though it has been tampered with people hear them they they kind of yeah you know, get, so wait, you
0: know. but wait when do you think the masoretic was written
1: well according to official history i think it's what the 700s or the whereabouts uh, but i would push it much earlier than that you know i would i i would agree. so you
0: would have to place it before the millennial kingdom came
1: no i would not but um so wait a but, minute
0: why is why isn't Okay, uh, so I don't I guess that would be a huge sticking point for me why new biblical translations are being made if the son of god and the father and their house are here and and there's literally the torah is being taught to the nations, why why are we getting a corrupted translation at that point?
1: Sure. That's a good question. And these are all questions, you know, all these questions that you have. When I first came upon the uh, the possibility when I had to look at this possibility that the millennial kingdom may have already happened, I had, I was filled with so many questions. I mean, it was like, it felt like a, a rock too big to lift and, you know, no one was going to hold my hand. No one was going to take me through this process. So I had to literally uh, one by one, you know, like, what about the occult? What about new Jerusalem? What about, you know, all these things? What about official history? Right. And uh, it hasn't been an easy process to, to go through this little bit by little bit. And so what I have to do is break down for you what i actually believe see one of the the fallacies is thinking that this earth uh that we have is the whole realm and um this is where oh, if i could find it again this book right here the hidden wilderness um you know really goes i can't even get straight i'm all over the place um actually we're like a third of the greater realm. I and mean, this realm is huge and um you know New Jerusalem and everything. Let me let me get inside. Okay, so let me just talk about the resurrection real quick. Okay, because we're kind of scattered brain here. We can go all over the place. So um, I am of the opinion at this time that there are multiple resurrection reset events. I believe in thirty ish AD there was a resurrection event. Uh, it was both spiritual and physical. You know, there were the people who came out of the tombs, and that was physical. But then there were those who went from Sheol up to heaven, okay, and people will argue, well, that's not a resurrection, actually it is, because they're in death, and then they go to life, there's no one dead up in paradise, it is literally from death to life, okay, there was another one in 70 AD, this is what I call the altar resurrection, that we find in Revelation, this is the one Paul talked about, Uh, that his hope was for. Um, So
0: we see here. Aren't you describing multiple first resurrections?
1: Yeah, I am. So um, let's see. We see in Ezra, second Ezra, it talks in uh, chapter two, verses 28 to 31. It talks about how there is a time coming when the heathen, the, the, the goyim, are going to be envious of the sons of Yasherel because uh, Sheol will be emptied out. And then we uh, something uh, very similar, I think, oh man, I think it's Hosea says so something very similar. And unfortunately, I don't have the reference in front of me. Um, yeah,
0: and our understanding that what what 2nd Ezra 2 is referencing is the Hebrews 11 moment. So I'm gonna, I'll put this on screen. Sure. In, unless you can think of that Hosea passage, but this is Hebrews 11 at the very end. After it describes everybody, all the way from Adam, all the way down through the Hall of Faith, of, of historical heroes of the faith, um, all of these guys, it says at the end and conclusion of the chapter that um, these were all commended for their faith, yet they did not receive what was promised. God has planned something better for us so that together with us, they would be made perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how so? How can there be multiple first resurrections events if the, the writer of Hebrews, approximately 63, 64 AD, is... Saying that everyone from Adam up into his moment will all be received what's promised, which is the resurrection together and made perfect together.
1: Uh, it's just what I'm coming up here. I, I mean, I just let me go through this. So we we know. Okay, let me just backtrack. We know that there is a time when show will be emptied. Okay, by the time we get to, a, I know I'm quoting from a father here. So everyone bring out your salt shakers. And this is Ignatius of all people. And he was super shady. Uh, but this is kind of interesting because this showing that he actually believed the resurrection happened. When you go to Magnesians chapter nine, verses one through two, he says, uh, and for this cause, he whom they rightly awaited, when he came, raised them from the dead. So here he is talking in like 110 AD, according to the official narrative, 110 to 150. He's saying that the resurrection of the dead has already happened. Uh, again, again, I think which, this happened. Which
0: resurrection? Can you read that whole passage? Or is that, I, I just heard a few words. I apologize. What, and, what
1: and and in Ignatius to the Magnesians, chapter nine, verses one and two, he says, and f- uh, actually, this might be verse two. Okay. Uh, I don't have, so sorry, I don't have the book in front of me. He says, okay. and for this cause, he whom they rightly awaited, and it seems to be, uh, when he came, he's talking about Yahushua HaMashiach. I don't think he's talking about anyone else here, okay. raised them from the dead. So here you have uh, a very early uh, church father. And again, everyone bring out your salt shakers. You know, I yeah. hope you guys are shaking them all over yourself for this presentation. Uh, that's, uh, he believes that the resurrection happened. Um, well, so his
0: contemporaries, Clement, Polycarp, Irenaeus, and Justin Martyr all still were waiting their resurrection.
1: Sure. Yeah. So the, um, so uh, my 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 belief is that Sheol was emptied out and there was a reset of events. All right. So when people died in the in the fig tree generation, those 40 years leading up to 70 AD, you had um uh they, they went under the altar. Okay, they went under the altar of probably the temple, and I know people say it's the temple in heaven, as above, so below. I mean, I don't really know, but uh they were wearing robes. I mean, there's there's things very different and specific about these people who are under the altar than those who were buried in Sheol. They're given robes, they're told to wait a little bit longer, they're crying out for vengeance, right? Um, and interestingly enough, we see Josephus talk about the moment when these people were released from the temple. Uh, he, this happens at Pentecost of all times in 66 AD, and he says uh, that's... Uh, at the feast, which we call Pentecost, as the priests were going by night into the inner court of the temple, as their custom was, to perform their sacred ministrations, they said that in the first place. They felt a quaking and heard a great noise. And after they uh, that, they heard a sound as of a great multitude saying, let us remove hence. All right. Now, I don't want to get caught up on the whole the preterist arguments this time because that's going to take away the millennial kingdom. What I'm trying to establish is, is that I see I could easily come, Sean, at this and go, well, you know, you know, it's it just I was raised the same way about the one resurrection of it. And I'm saying that there's more to this. I'm saying that there's a bit of a mystery here than we did. We start to see more things happen. Well, what
0: scriptures are you going by to build this idea?
1: Well, I just read from. Revel. Oh, well, I was quoting from Revelation chapter six, verses nine through eleven. And I was saying that the people in under the altar, it's a yeah. very different description from Sheol okay, these people are not in Shul. It's a very weird scene, which I like that. I like weird stuff. It's a very weird scene about, you know, these people wearing these robes under the altar, crying out saying, when can we be released from this place? And he's like, wait a little bit longer until, you know, the number is fulfilled.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. I I understand the language makes it seem like in heaven, there's souls under the altar. But you think, so those souls, according to your timeline, I'm trying to piece it together. So I'm, pretty, I'm
1: putting them under the altar in the temple in Jerusalem.
0: Okay. Okay. And then you think the first resurrection event where, so so you don't coincide the first resurrection event with the last trumpet and the day of the Lord and the return of Christ in 500 AD. Well, this you is coincided I, earlier, this multiple is the, events earlier.
1: This is why I said that this isn't, um, this is multi-layered. So I do believe that there was a physical resurrection of the dead um, at the, at the, the time of the coming in of the kingdom. I do believe that there was a physical resurrection of the dead. So when I was, well, wasn't commenting earlier about how everyone is waiting for the same events. That was the event. It, it happened for the, all those people at the same time.
0: But what were you just inferring from revelation six and those souls being resurrected? What timeline were you saying that happened?
1: Uh, that was a fig tree generation. So that they would have been, well, according to Josephus and other historians who talk about all the, they would call them the voices of the Elohim that were, crying out under the altar in the temple that they released on pentecost in 66 a.d that was the year of the glorious appearing uh when yahushua mashiach appeared over jerusalem and he the the uh shekinah glory left the temple it was seen going down touching down on the mount of olives and then the roman armies came in and eventually titus uh create you know he created the uh uh you know whatever uh he ended the torah according to christianity uh what paul talks about in second thessalonians a great delusion uh, about the antichrist is going to come in that you know waiting for someone to get out of the way and go on he went in there he went and he he had his barbecue his luau slapped the pig up there basically told everyone he said look i'll be i'll be i can be good to you guys uh, all you have to do is worship he was crowned emperor right there on the spot even though he was his father was still emperor he had a dual emperorship right there at the temple of all places. I mean, if I was going to be crowned emperor, I would go to like my favorite local pub or something like yeah. that. Uh, it was at the temple. He did a sacrifice. And he said, look, if you guys just uh, uh, worship me as God, it'll be good. And the Jews were like, nope, we're not going to do that. So he's like, all right, burning the place down. And he just charred the whole place.
0: Okay. So then you don't think that what you described with uh, Titus entering the temple in Jerusalem and Coinciding with you're saying that coincided with the glorious appearing of Christ above the city, yeah. this is what yeah. Tacitus claims, and a couple of other historians. Yes, yeah, this, please is, please this please. is a dominant uh, predator argument as well. True. Sure. So when when that showed up, you, so you're not saying that this was the coming of the kingdom. This was just uh, an appearing over the city of Jerusalem by Christ with other angels, just for the sake of judgment.
1: Yeah, most people who get into this millennial kingdom research, uh, millennial kingdom of research, they're a, a bit at odds at me because they're going to say that the kingdom immediately came in at that time. They'll say like 71 A.D., some you know different years. Uh, I don't hold to that, and you know that's fine. I mean, like I said, if you want to pick it apart, you can get in line because they're already trying to do it to me. This is the what I'm coming up with based on the LXX bunch of biblical books. I mean, you had said earlier that these dates came and went and nothing happened, and I'm sitting here going. I think something happened. I don't think they came
0: and went. Well, it was just about... No, obviously the dates came and went and things happened. It's about... What happened? And does it doesn't mind. Does it actually line up with what the scriptures tell us as far as the details of the coming kingdom of the Lord? Do you mind if we kind of focus in on the ushering into of the kingdom, like you mentioned, and, yeah. and you really dig down into that? I mean, we're here at fifty-four minutes, and I honestly still don't know what you believe as far as the actual kingdom coming to the earth and what that. Looks this
1: will like. take. This will take about twenty hours to get through. Just so you know. Is there so. any way
0: you can summarize it in about twenty minutes, <laughs> or at least give us some highlights? Uh,
1: you want to know what the king the kingdom looked like? All right. Well, let's. No, talk no about- I
0: want to know what you think it looked like for the ushering in of the kingdom because we have literally hundreds of descriptions and prophecy of scripture of the ushering end of the kingdom yeah. on the earth. And I just want to know how you view all those if possible.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the oracles, which I don't know if you're a fan of that. I know Zin Garcia is, it talks about how that when the next Phoenix arrives in the year 500. So you had a uh, Phoenix come in, in 30 AD uh, or at the time of Tiberius, could have been any time there i say it's 33 30 33 the next one comes in in the 500s and when this phoenix comes in that it's it's the ushering in of the kingdom um and the way that she describes it uh she well she says that the 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 time of the romans would come to an end and then she says uh later again thereafter there shall come an evil to the okay whatever and she says and then a holy adonai of all the earth Having raised up the dead, shall wield the scepter into all the ages. And so, um, Yahushua Hamashiach, he he declare, again reminds you: His kingdom is forever. His kingdom is within. If I had to guess when his kingdom began on the earth, I would just say his birth. Okay. Like, Wait a I, minute.
0: I, I thought you said at the beginning of this. You thought it was a literal kingdom.
1: I I do. I believe it is a. I believe that his he is a. I believe that his kingdom is still here. I mean. On this earth i think it exists the thousand years is a time mm-hmm. when he is going to rule over the greater earth with the with the 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 people who were selected with the saints the set-apart saints so he's still he is king forever okay his okay, kingship what, but but what, okay.
0: i'm just trying to focus in real quick for the sake of the audience i, I got to be honest with you brother there's a lot of people in the audience not following i'm not following and i and you know i'm just trying to yeah. so year 500, details. year 500 a.d what do you think the kingdom that literally, do you believe it was a physical structure that come down out of heaven through the firmament set between the Euphrates and Nile that's promised Abraham? Do you think it's that description? It's like physical kingdom coming down.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. New, Jeru- New Jerusalem, um, I might still be on the earth. Where? Well, let's talk about that. So yeah. let's end the confusion. Let's talk about the moon map. All right. And, uh, Talk about the greater realm. Now, anybody can do this. Anybody can look up at the moon. Um, next time it's a full moon. And you, just right over here, you can see the AE map on the moon. Okay, it's on the moon. It's beautiful. Uh, I don't know why it took people so long to figure this out. But when you look at the moon map, the moon itself is a um, – it's it's a, actually a composite image. It's a negative image of the greater realm. You see the entire map of the world. okay. Um, it's actually a composite image because the moon has the only known photograph of the firmament on it. It's what gives the moon its curvature shape. You can, the belly button on the moon, that's actually Polaris. That's the North star. Um, and so a, a, a photo negative, if you guys, anyone here, whoever, you know, picked up their one hour photos back in the nineties before everything went digital and you can envision, you could look at the negatives. And so my skin would be like black and then my eyes would be like, uh, uh my pupils would be white, you know, kind of eerie. My beard might be like white or whatever, except you know, so everything is in reverse. Well that's what the moon is. It's in it's in reverse. All right. And I I have different theories on when this photograph of the earth was taken of uh, Yahuwah's seal of the earth, maybe the fourth day of creation. It was definitely a high energy event. Okay. So um let's see I'll just skip Anarch and all that kind of stuff. Um it, interestingly enough um when you get into visions of Paul, he talks about the greater realm. This this ati- idea ties in with the Essenes. There were many Hebrews in the first century who believed that when the when the soul dies, they actually migrate or wander over to what I call the hidden wilderness. Uh, there's a line in um, in Ezra, and it says Second um, Ezra seven twenty six. It says. For behold, the time will come when the signs which I have foretold to you will come to pass that the city which now is not shall seen shall appear. Okay, so we're talking about New Jerusalem. And the land which is now hidden shall be disclosed. And so New Jerusalem is specifically tied up with a hidden land that is actually disclosed to us now.
0: So, so New wait Jer- a minute, though, because Revelation 21, talking about specifically New Jerusalem, says it descends out of heaven. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're thinking that it, it descended, was here for a thousand years, and then was hidden.
1: Right. So the land itself, okay, so you have to think the globe earth deception. No, I'm the, thinking
0: a biblical firmament model coming down through the firmament, like Revelation 21 says. Okay. The, it's something that's 1,600 stadia tall. That's approximately 1,500 miles tall. Where can you hide that on the face of the earth?
1: Well, you got to look at the moon map. Like I said, on the face of the
0: earth, where would you be able to hide a 1,500 mile tall building?
1: a huge continent, or in the ocean.
0: No, I mean we can, fifteen hundred miles tall. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, you, so that's like when you're in a plane. Like even even Rob Skiba in 2015, he sent up a, he and uh Rick Hummer sent up a uh, high 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 weather um, camera on a balloon, and uh, they went up about what was it a hundred thousand feet, right? That's really high, pretty man. pretty high. Twenty miles, I think, was what it was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, you could see amazing. You could see a long ways. Yeah. So, so you're saying no one? I mean, that's only twenty miles, brother.
1: The fallacy of uh, was it uh, Bill Nye? Uh, he was like, he looks out the window. It's like, where's China? You know, it's like. No, I did he- say that.
0: I'm saying if we see a high altitude weather balloon, yeah, the camera at twenty miles up, and we can see across continents. I'm asking that's just 20 miles up and we can see 20 miles up. We can mm-hmm. see a plane at six miles. Well, you know, if with the telescope, we can see in the distance at a, at a geomet- geometrical angle of 20 miles in the sky. And that's just 20 miles. That, that seems tall once you get a weather balloon up there, but it's really not in relationship to the firmament itself because the, you know, the scriptures say saying Jeremiah that you, we can't measure the height of the heaven, but I'm asking what, how would they be able to hide something 1,500 miles taller? That's 14,800.
1: This this is a great question you're asking. And I can guarantee you, Sean, that uh, I had the same questions. And I could have just been like, well, I don't have an answer for no one has answers, so I'm not going to look into it. So all these questions I have, they took me a long time to figure out. And I still have questions about a lot of things, but let me address this. Yahuwah uh, hides himself with darkness okay uh, a great a great example of this would be uh, Pharaoh coming in to s- grab Moshe at the Red Sea and, and knock them out the pillar of, of cloud comes down and it is light for Yashireel and it is total darkness for Pharaoh okay he surrounds himself with darkness that's how he hides his holiness Paul talked about the dark uh, the glass darkly right like there's that we're covered by darkness so that we can't see the glory of heaven this is how Yahuwah operates so in the book Uh,
0: amen it is brother but that's not the descriptions of the kingdom come it's a city of light that doesn't need sun or moon all the nations will walk in its light isaiah 60.
1: Um, you're not listening to me so what i've said that i'm listening
0: to you describe how Yahweh hides himself in the heights of the heaven as the most high in the heavens of the heavens. That's a different description from what he describes as his kingdom coming down to the earth.
1: So there are many books out there that talk about the hidden wilderness and they talk about specifically, this is where new Jerusalem is. Uh, I mentioned visions of Paul and there's also the, the narrative of Zosimus, which is a great one. And it actually talks about how there's a total darkness that surrounds it. Okay, so um, Paul talks about to get to New Jerusalem on the earth in the visions of Paul. Uh, He goes below the firmament and he says he's within the realm of the firmament. And he says he goes uh, he goes beyond where the sun and moon uh, move around on its circuit. All right. So if you think about the sun and the moon, it's like one little one like here on my screen uh, uh, on my screen, like right here. Boom. They're going around right here. But way over here, uh, I can't do this right. But way over here, it's all darkness because the sun and moon aren't there. Okay. And this is where I'm going to take you into the moon map. All right. So Paul says that you go beyond the darkness, beyond the oceans. And then there's this huge chunk of land over there. And that's where New Jerusalem is. Okay. So it's, it's in visions of Paul. Now, of course, in Ocemus, they talked about the same thing. The Essenes talked about the same thing. Many different books are out there, more than people know that actually talk about this. And they all say that it is- Do you have a
0: citation? I could look that up later.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would go to Visions of Paul, um, chapter 21, chapter 31. But really, well, the whole book is phenomenal. And it actually keeps writing with Essene thinking. Uh, But it's, um, I would start, I think, uh, starting at 21 and read through the end of the book. And it will talk all about that. All right. So let let me take you guys back to the moon map. Is it
0: also called the Apocalypse of Paul?
1: Uh, no, that might, it might be, it might be, but that's, um, it might be a different book, but you can try there start with the apocalypse of Paul and, um, you then go to visions of Paul. So, okay. And this is really hard to talk about without visuals in front of me. Um, but the, the way this works, uh, with the moon map, okay. Is it takes about, uh, 25,800 years. For the sun to go all the way around the Earth, all right. So magnetic, the mag- the sun and the the sun and the moon go around the magnetic north pole, and, and what happens is is this ma- the magnetic north it goes in a big circle, and it goes it takes again twenty five thousand eight hundred years, and this is it takes this long for the sun to go through all twelve of the constellations in the zodiac as well. Like for example, we just probably entered the age of Aquarius, right here. If you can look at my tattoo. Uh, ah, Can you guys see that? I can't see it. Okay. So maybe if anyone could answer a question, what is this right here? Well, this is Pisces. All right. The fish. So when the, when in young Christianity, they knew they were in the age of Pisces. Of course the the age of the kingdom was Pisces. Um, So it takes 25,800 years for the sun to go all the way around this greater realm. It's a huge realm. Okay. So in about 12,000 years, um, this is gonna be total darkness and ice age over here, theoretically. All right. Um, and where, do we ever
0: get to a place where the kingdom is here, father and son are here, there's peace on the earth, and uh, there's like the sun and moon are never going away, according to eighth scripture.
1: Great, the eighth great day, yeah. So, um,
0: but but that's gonna be 12,000 years from now,
1: no, no, okay. So w- uh, well, according to Enoch, it's cyclical. You just keep going through. As soon as we're done with this, we just go into another week and just go into another week. It just keeps happening.
0: No, the end of his 10 weeks is the kingdom here forever. And I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Okay. ahead. So um, the way this works, according to all these books, like the visions of Paul, they talk about how there's no sun and moon over there. It should be completely darkness. Like you go through just ice and cold darkness. It's unpassable. Enoch talks about this. How it's the the, the extremities of the north is where the uh, the all the, the the dead souls wander, right? Which was of course an Essene thought as well. Well, but he says that once you get over there, it is light brighter like than ten suns, right? I mean, it's just like silver milky light. And of course, that light is uh, the light of. Uh, Yushua Mashiach, New Jerusalem, and so on and so forth. And so the way this works is that if you look all across our realm, uh, you can find the crescent flag. Now, Islam uses the crescent flag. Here in South Carolina, on my flag is the crescent flag. And uh, I, I personally believe, now, this would help if I had illustrations. People are like, what are you talking about? Um, Bob Nodal of Glowbusters uh, once had uh, an experiment. It was called the coffee cup. Uh, experiment where you could shine a light in a coffee cup and it creates a crescent moon around it showing that around the firmament it creates this crescent light and so on the opposite end of the earth you know that's what we have we have a crescent moon there's no sun and moon over there, it's total darkness but it's pure light on the other side because it shines off the firmament and it lights up that whole area and of course that's how everybody describes it in these ancient books um so okay uh, so
0: so you, you were talking about the kingdom come being ushered in at the, about the 500 AD mark or what we would call 500 AD. And then um, you said that it was here for a thousand years in your understanding. And then it was gone because now it's been hidden by darkness where there's no sun and moon. Is that, am I getting this right?
1: Yeah, there was a general rebellion. Uh, actually the, uh, I, 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 I have
0: a, I'm i asking because I, I want to ask a question. I'm just making sure I understand. I don't want to misframe you. Cause I don't, I don't, I, I don't like it when people misframe me. So I, I see you're, you're trying to explain your, you know, your idea. And I just want to make sure I'm hearing you properly on,
1: on our end of the earth, on our end of the realm. And, and okay. just quickly, if you wanted to, know, this is the globe earth deception. Okay. Because uh, I can I, talk I just, about this in a second, but yes. Okay. On our end of the realm, there was a rebellion where the people revolted against the kingdom and they are like, okay. And so they're on the other end. They're just cruising. They're just chilling out over there.
0: Okay. Cause the visions of Paul that you, that you quoted from earlier chapter 21, it, it doesn't, describe that brother it it says that uh after he shows him the third and then the second heaven he talks to him about oceanus about the land there being seven times brighter than silver that's in the second heaven so in a biblical cosmological model that would be above us not left or right of us and then it goes down to verse uh, 10 when who paul i guess being shown the vision is asking the question um this then this land will be manifested before the time and the angel answers and says when christ to whom you preached shall come to reign Then by the sentence of God, the first earth will be dissolved, and this land of promise will then be revealed, be like dew or a cloud. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, the King Eternal, will be manifested and come with all of his saints to dwell in it. He will reign over them for a thousand years. They will eat of good things, which I now will show unto you. So I I just don't see it talking about this land being removed somewhere and now being hidden and nobody knows where it is. Because I have all these other verses outside of the visions of Paul that talk about stuff like this like Abraham expected and waited for his inheritance. So it says by faith, Abraham went to was called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance. Abraham did not go to the outer edges of the earth where there's no sun or moon. Abraham went to between the Euphrates and the Nile. This is where he lived in the land of promise as a stranger in a foreign country. This is why it goes down here later to say that he was looking for a, a heavenly country. Yeah.
1: Because,
0: This this is what comes down out of heaven that Abraham inherits and sets down between the Euphrates and the Nile.
1: Yeah, we're in the we're in the backwoods uh, part of the realm right here.
0: And so, what what prophecy I need to see? Here's here's what's going to help me going forward, brother. I just I'm trying to um, give this this uh, interpretation as much kindness as possible. I just need to see any type of prophecy that that lets me know, that helps me understand how you came to the conclusion that the the thousand year. New Jerusalem, 1,500 miles tall, New Jerusalem would be picked up and moved because all the ones I'm reading about say it's going to be here forever once it descends. It's not moving. It's in fact, it even talks about in Isaiah 49 about having tent pegs that in Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah 33, uh, having tent pegs that will not be uprooted. Yeah,
1: I I don't think it. Well, just a couple things here, Sean. Number one. okay, I don't believe it was moved. Okay, number two, I am not convinced that it's on the earth right now. Okay, I made that clear earlier. I'm not so, convinced it's on the Earth right now, but it might be on the Earth. It might be on the Earth. It's a right, I'm,
0: I'm really struggling. <laughs> I'm really struggling. I thought you said it did descend in 8500 and was here for a thousand years. I
1: don't know if I said it. It descended 8500, uh, but yeah, I mean that would be a time frame for it. If it, if the millennial kingdom, if it comes down at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. And that would be a good time frame for it, wouldn't it? 500 AD or 71 AD, according to some, or whenever it happens. Um, I question whether or not it is here because we still have sin and death in the world. So I take, uh, I know that you have long held the position that the uh, new Jerusalem is coexistence with the millennial kingdom on the earth. Um, you know, I don't know. I think that it could very well come down when sin and death is done away with completely. The problem is, is we know that there is sin and death and rebellion in the uh, millennial kingdom. We know that people do die. We know that people can be cursed for not obeying the Torah. And we also know that um, it ends with total rebellion to the point where there is actually a, uh, a, a, a camp. People say city, but it actually the word is used like a fort the Greek word is like for Fort Antonia, that there is a, that gets completely surrounded from the four corners of the earth and the entire world is in rebellion. So
0: it says the beloved city was surrounded by those who Satan deceived, the beloved city. Yeah,
1: the camp and the beloved city. Yeah. yeah. And, and
0: the camp of the saints. So I'm just wondering like, so the beloved city in the New Jerusalem according to scripture, I mean, that's where the inheritance of the saints is, right? Revelation 21, seven. So that's where the saints who've been resurrected go into living there. And then we do see that there are survivors of the day of the Lord, Zechariah 14, Matthew 25, that populate during the millennial reign. That's why we're made into the Melchizedek priesthood under Christ, to, to go out and minister to them, teach them the Torah, teach them to be at peace with each other. And it doesn't say that the new Jerusalem goes away. It just says that those people who attacked it are burned with fire from heaven.
1: I didn't say it went away. By the way, I'm drinking from a uh, Pinot tonight. I, oh, man, I'm so bad at this camera. I don't know what you brought to the party, Sean. This is a Pinot from France. Yes.
0: Highly refined Berkey H2O.
1: A fun fact is that Pinot, uh, Pinot is the oldest strain of wine in the world. It goes all the way back to the first century. And, of course, I believe this was the Relial Kingdom wine of choice. So, um, yeah. though. Here's the thing, Sean. You and I are not at the end of the day, so just so you know, I'm not here to convince you, Sean. I I know you know that I'm not here to convince you. Okay. And yeah. so if we go back and forth on New Jerusalem, like we're not gonna get anywhere. All
0: right. No, the whole reason I have you on, brother, is to explain your view. So if you make a, if you you know you're so, you're you're intelligent, you speak quickly. I've got to slow you down at times to actually dig into your view some more because you you're jumping from multiple topics. And, um, because I, I, we can, I mean, I just don't want you to think this is the only time I'll ever have you on. Like you, you can, you can take time and break down your view. Uh, you don't have to feel rushed because I feel like you're rushing through things really quickly. And, um, there's a lot of folks in the audience as well as myself that's just not following. So I'm just, I'm anxious to know your view and how you've come to these conclusions. And then, um, from time to time, I may stop and ask some questions.
1: Maybe this might help if we could, Switch subjects. I could speak more on the moon map and I wish I had visuals because the moon map, everybody who's listening, the moon map is flat Earth 2.0. It changes everything. Okay, to look up at the moon and realize there is a the moon is plasma It can't be landed on. It's not a rock. Right. And it is literally a negative image that is up in the sky that shows us a map of the greater realm. And it's absolutely incredible. A guy, uh, I'll plug this guy, Vibes of Cosmos. He His whole YouTube channel is just looking at the moon map. And he has measured all that. So the typical flat is will think that there's like a ring around the earth. All right. And what he's done is, is he's shown all the different entities, the different bases like Germany, France, United States, Japan, whatever. And he will actually map it and show all the moon map how it's actually a series of islands all around when they pull off the deception. But um, I want to encourage everyone to look into that and to see that there is actually a greater realm. And when you can see that there's a greater realm, you can start looking at this literature. Uh, It's a lot of books out there, more than people realize. that talk about how uh, the, the land of the kingdom is actually in this hidden wilderness that cannot be traveled to by mortal men. All right, now, all that to say, uh, actually, I will say this fun uh, fun fact, um, it was actually, it was one of my almost felt fall out of my chair moments, I was reading the book Pearl, Now I know this is not a book in the Bible, uh, in the book Pearl, it's considered the most important document coming out of the medieval age, of, uh, the dark ages, of, and it's a miracle that it survived anyways. This guy goes in this this book, Pearl, and he's able to go to the hidden wilderness on the other end of the world. He travels beyond the darkness to the land where there is total light on this huge continent. And he's able to see his uh, daughter, uh, who is uh, one of the she says she's one of the 144,000. And um, and they're able to uh, go and he's he can't approach it because he's a sinner, but she shows him New Jerusalem. So I, I almost fell on my trip when I saw that, because I'm like, oh, my goodness, like in the, the Middle Ages, even by official history, they believe New Jerusalem is already here. I thought that was really interesting. A little f- a fun fact. OK, so, did, they,
0: did they did that book teach that it was going to be between the Euphrates and the Nile as promised Abraham? No. OK, so so is it possible that people can write fiction that they just don't know the scriptures very well?
1: I think one of the problems you're coming at here, Sean, is that if you talk to most people who are researching the millennial kingdom has already happened, most people aren't even going to be under the impression that the Nile the Euphrates River or any of that is actually the real uh, place. Most of them don't think Israel is a historic land. Okay, so um, just keep that in mind. This 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 is so deep and there's so many. Where do you think it is? What do I think it is?
0: Yeah. Do you not Do you not believe that uh, the Mediterranean from the, the Nile over to the, the Euphrates is as it was in the days of Abraham?
1: I don't know what I believe. But what I do know is that when you start looking into this, when you go into the mud flood, when you go into the melted cities, when you, you know, I, I haven't even touched on most of this stuff. When you start going into the World fairs, you start looking at everything. This gets so expansive and so huge. And a picture forms a picture starts forming that there was this worldwide um, uh, civilization of Shalom that was, you know, through Orwellian language was destroyed and and uh, done away with uh, on this side of the realm. But um, you know, it, there's a lot of questions I still have. I can't answer all of your questions, uh, but let me talk about, um, I guess, with the time we have it, it, a way because I started out talking about the mud flood, And so this is something that everybody can go out, and look at themselves okay these huge beautiful cathedrals all over the realm um you could go to like state capitol buildings with big domes and that kind of stuff and um they have you have, seen
0: investigating Babylon series uh
1: no i have not uh okay. so these um these all have commonalities to them they do. um and you have on top of the cathedrals you have these symmetrical spires and spikes And, of course, we were duped into thinking that they're like, you know, decorative cake toppers, uh, when in fact they were uh, energy harvesting power stations uh, used to extract ether from the the ionosphere for the betterment of society, uh, for humankind. Uh, I believe that these priests, uh, these resurrected priests, were living in these castles, in these uh, cathedrals and other places. One of the interesting things about... Um, the mysteries to these palaces is that they had no plumbing whatsoever. I'll give you an example: the Palace of Versailles. I've personally been there. It, they they will tell you that like King one of is that King Louis the Fourteenth or something like that. One of the Louis. Uh, that he literally built this palace of gold, like with gold banisters and everything as a hunting lodge. So you can go on the weekends and pick off a deer from the balcony. And yet he built this marvelous place and he never once thought of building bathrooms. And we're talking bath, we're not even talking plumbing at this point. He didn't even build bathrooms and they will tell you that they were just pooping all up and down the hallways. It was running down the, the aisles Uh, one of the, um, the ladies who lived there, her name was, uh, uh, Princess the Harcourt. Uh, she apparently just walked around pooping in her dress and it would just come down. Uh, Marie Antoinette, everyone knows her name. Uh, apparently the poop problem was so bad at one point it started bursting out in her kitchen, went all down the walls and into the, the oven, the sink and everything. And they were all living in this filth. apparently. Uh, Marie Antoinette would go walking along the the poop pile outside the castle and they were pouring it down the wall and it all came down Uh Came down now, this is a problem all over Europe, all over the Americas. Why were there no bathrooms in these places? Why were there no ways for these residents to actually, you know, eat food? Those kind of things. Why was there no uh, way for them why was to there? Help?
0: Why was, if these people are the wealthy dignitaries and the elite, why was there no, like, servants to clean up the poop?
1: Why were they pooping in the hall to begin with?
0: Well, if, if they haven't invented indoor plumbing yet, or they just didn't build it in, who knows? I'm just saying that I just... Uh, I would, uh, you know, I know you're clearly read something that claimed this, but I'm just saying, why wouldn't these people who have the wealth to have gardeners create hedge mazes don't have someone to come back behind them and clean up their duty?
1: Right. So here's the thing. So you have in these castles, you have no bathrooms. okay? no bathrooms. The peasants had bathrooms, apparently. But these castles. So the Romans had amazing plumbing. Okay, they had whole bathroom plumbing systems, toilets all lined up. But when you get to the Middle Ages, when you get to all these huge, beautiful cathedrals, there were no bathrooms.
0: I thought this was okay. So you don't think the resurrected saints, I'm guessing you're you're assuming that this was during the the millennial reign. The resurrected saints were populating all these places and living in these these uh, these castles without bathrooms because they didn't need to go to the bathroom. Is that the inference? Yeah. Uh, now, people. Okay. Who, here's the he, difference. Revelation 21, 7 says the the resurrected saints live inside the New Jerusalem, and they'll never have to leave. So, this is our inheritance is inside the New Jerusalem, not, not in Britain or not in Spain or not in. It's. So, are you are you because you also mentioned earlier that you thought that uh, the New Jerusalem had a greater or the inhabitants of the Millennial Kingdom had a greater concentration in Europe. So, is this what you're alluding to with this story?
1: They were all through Asia. They were all through, uh, you know, of course, Russia, all through America, all through Europe. Uh, but yes, they did leave New Jerusalem to serve the people of the earth and the people, the the, the only way to get into New Jerusalem is essentially be an immortal because no sinner is going to be given access into there to get from the tree of life. It's not but what
0: happen. I'm I hear that. But what I'm not hearing from you is a defined boundary. The scriptures give us a defined boundary of the New Jerusalem, literally walls. Of a city, 1,500 miles in, in length and width. Um, that's that's a boundary that the inhabitants can live inside of and mm-hmm. the, the mortal survivors cannot get inside that boundary. But yeah. you're describing stuff way beyond 1,500 miles in distance in different continents yeah. where you're saying that's also part of New Jerusalem and regular mortals can't live there either.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the kingdom, the riches of the kingdom expanded over the whole earth. And I do believe uh, that... Uh, There were uh, kings and priests who were ministering to humanity for a thousand years. Yes. I think that's the, for me, that's the defining difference between an eternity and actually ruling over mankind for a thousand years That you know, be able to judge and rule. Um, and also for the health, the health of the nations, we talked about how the kings and the dignitaries are able to go get the, the leaves of healing and bring them back to the nations. And so I think that's real important that they were going and doing that. And that's one of the things we see in this greater society, that it was all about the health of the people, free energy for everyone uh, coming down from the ether. They were harvesting the ether.
0: So what do you think? Uh, real quick, I need to address a couple of super chats. Uh, Katya Vinci, thank you so much for the super chat. That's really kind of you, sister. Um, thank you for the kind words. As well as our brother, uh, our um, sister Simone Alares, Thank you so much for the super chat from all the way from Germany. Appreciate you, sister. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, so you said Marie Antoinette lived in this castle with no bathrooms, wasn't that? All right. So that was after the Millennial Kingdom, in your view, because you do you do think that the last five, well, almost yeah, the last 500 years of history w- is true. because so, Marie Antoinette, what? That's the 16th century, right? So like.
1: Well, what if history is true? That's really difficult to answer. For example.
0: But you're assuming it is if you're assuming from these citations that Marie Antoinette's walking around pooping in hallways with no bathrooms. And and she's basically squatting in a millennial kingdom building is what you're assuming, right? So
1: one of the things you need to realize when I'm using this language is when you're looking into mud flood and Tartarian history, you're looking at official history and then you're looking at history that doesn't line up. Okay, and that might be the confusion for some people. I might talk about this pope or that pope, or you know, Marie Antoinette or King Louis the Fourteenth or King Henry the Eighth, and people are like, "So no, it's like, no." We're we're looking at official history, and then we're looking at uh, stolen history, all right, or his story that has been stolen from us, all right. So getting back into the cathedrals, okay. So we know that there are there's some serious uh, poop problems. Um, actually I have multiple, uh, passages that talk about how they would be fed manna from heaven during the, uh, the millennial kingdom, which is interesting that if you ate them, So if you ate from the manna, you wouldn't poop if you didn't sin. Of course, this is one of the mysteries to the camp in Exodus, uh, and numbers and Deuteronomy That if people ask, how is it possible that they had a camp that was what 12, 14 miles wide or however big it was. And how can you carry all that poop out? It's like, well, if you didn't sin, you're not pooping, but
0: But brother, it says that they they were instructed to bury their poop in the Torah. All right. You know, you know, right? Yes. So like but so so I do do agree. Second Baruch talks about manna falling again after coming to the kingdom, but that's not for people inside the kingdom, that's for the survivors outside. They also are being fed Leviathan behemoth, which is not you know, which is not bread from heaven. So guessing they're gonna have to follow Torah and bury their dung.
1: Right. Okay, so. Moving back into the cathedrals with the no bathrooms and the manna from heaven, uh, we have uh, – we. you guys can every, – everybody out there can see these huge domes. One of my favorite that I ever went to was in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in, uh, in Jerusalem. Now, the, uh, it how can I explain this the best I can? In the world of you know electromagnetism, you have cavity resonators, okay? Okay. And cavity resonators work through symmetry to produce what? To produce oscillation or vibration of energetic particles. All right. So symmetrical shapes that we see in these domes uh, force these energetic particles to, uh, 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 or ions to vibrate in a constant manner. And bada bing, we have uh, electromagnetic fields. All right. So within these, these um, these domes, we have something called cavity magnetrons, which you can actually find in microwaves today. It's really interesting. And they're high-powered vacuum tubes that generate microwaves. Um, so within within all these cathedrals, one of the things that we see in common of these big domed uh, palaces are baptistries. And these are like octagonal shaped. Well, these most likely uh, were holding the uh, Takamak uh, engines that uh, they weren't, they weren't, Uh, people weren't being baptized. They would have been baptized in living water. Of course, all these cities were built on these star cities uh, all around water. And a lot of them, like there's evidence that maybe Paris was like a water city at one time uh, through the canals. Okay. So another feature we see in all these cathedrals are rose windows. And uh, within these rose windows, we see um, some of them uh, still have a cathode. And this is where we get the word Cathedral. I don't know if people are following this. This is really hard to talk about um, without uh, visual illustrations before me. Okay. Now, you some can of put the,
0: stuff in the in the studio, but so you're saying that the stained glass windows were built with metallic cathode strips?
1: Yeah, they wouldn't have been stained glass at that time, but yeah, they were they were um, all built for um, harvesting energy, and of course, with sacred geometry in mind, and for the health of the nations. Um, so, something to think about. Um, I probably jumped ahead here, but we have something called uh, uh, water consciousness. Now, people have all seen this test before where you can actually speak to a plant or you can speak to water or different things. And if you say evil things, the water will, the molecules will manifest in something hideously ugly looking. And if you Mm -hmm. if you speak positive, beautiful things, you know, you praise Yah, whatever it's it's beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can all think about in, you know, like our DNA and our very body, how they are manifested and change. We are little creators walking around, literally changing the world around us. And so one of the things we notice with like these star forts and star cities um, is that they are all built with this sacred geometry. Also, there are tests being done in the cathedrals where people will go in and they will record the silence and then play it back, and and actually they will create these these from the vibrations of the silence. They will create the sacred geometry that actually you know shows, yeah. You know, it, it just it manifests. It's it's absolutely beautiful. So there's something that within these these cathedrals and places of old that doesn't line up with the official narrative. And of course I skimmed over so much there. I mean, I could talk probably two, three hours just on these cathedrals. I tried to not complicate this for people not seeing pictures, but they can't explain how these were built. They, they'll tell us that it took like 300 years to build some of these. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what is it? The, uh, the let me look here. Uh, the uh, Where was it in, um, oh, uh, well, Pisa, but oh no, Florence. Florence. They took 377 years to build, according to the official narrative. So think about a project like oh, the the baptistry in the back is massive. It's its own building because the engine is so was so big that they hauled out. Uh, we we have seen pictures. Uh, in the 1800s where they're actually hauling out these engines um, in some of these baptistries. Some of them were still existing at that time. Also bandstands in towns, we'll see them. So we were trying to figure out what were these engines. Uh, and like I said, they're probably Takamak type of engines. Uh, but Imagine a project that takes 400 years where your you, your son, your grandson, your great grandson, all the way down to your 10th great grandson are going to be working on this, you know, and nobody's going to see the fruition of it. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. They don't show how they're able to do it on a horse and buggy, um, you know, build it, haul it up, all that kind of stuff. So um, let's see. What else can I talk about here?
0: Um, I've got a question for you. I know that part of the um, Tartarian support. Um, is this idea of world's fairs. You mentioned them earlier, as well as some of the architecture that you see um, that you're alluding to, even with like the Versailles palace, you're alluding that it was built by a millennial ring kingdom, but then basically occupied after the kingdom, either disbanded or went away into darkness. Maybe. So, all right. So that there is a, um, I'm going to put this on screen real, real quick, because people are always saying, well, how could they, how could they build something like that? And how long did it take them? And, where you know that couldn't have been built in the 1800s because uh, it's just too big and it's just too much. It's just too. The architecture is too amazing. But let me just uh, put something on screen real quick. If I can get this to work.
1: Well, while you do that, it's very possible that the the Renaissance um, architecture uh, would would have been built after. So in this field of research, there's there's two types of buildings people look at. They call them the cathedral people. And then the dome people, and there's a lot of theories out there that some of the uh, Renaissance buildings—I don't know if I hold to this—but a lot of the Renaissance buildings would have been built uh, uh, at the after the Millennial Kingdom came to an end during the Age of Rebellion, where they still have the technology, but they were, you know, they were building a different type of structure. But anyways, go ahead with what you wanted to show.
0: What we have on screen here is uh, the city of Tinjin in China was built within 15 years. It's empty. They have record of it being built. The city pictures of its progress. Six, it can house 65 million people, but it's empty. When was it built? Within the last 15 years. Okay. Record of its progress, pictures of its construction, and it's still empty because they're either waiting to migrate people from the other major cities or... It's a failed experiment because they are boosting their GDP, needing construction projects either way. This is an example of this. It doesn't, you know, the same people in the 17, just building a state capitol building like we see in Pennsylvania. Like that's not that doesn't take that long, brother, especially when literally the art of masonry is a been a thing like these people knew how to move blocks. I mean, there's still men of that are master masons that know how to do this today. They knew how to move large weight and objects um, and lift them up to height. Um, and they knew how to, they knew angles, geometry, they knew construction. This was uh, the, the art of masonry passed down throughout the ages. So I just don't see the credence to immediately assume because there's a an elaborate, and besides these World's Fair pictures from like Chicago, St. Louis World's Fair things from the 1900s. We don't know if that was a legit structure, like it could have just been a facade put up, like not really a good sound structure meant to last forever, but just a quick construction for the sake of what's going on. So all I'm trying to say is I just think there's a lot of conjecture with some of this stuff. And I'm just asking about scripture. I'm just saying, like, when you claim that the ushering of the kingdom came in in 500 A.D., I see that there is from Isaiah 2, 2 through 5, that Zion or the New Jerusalem Will be the mountain, the, the chief of the mountains, in the last days. So, all the nations will stream to it to learn Torah and have their their disputes settled, and they will go to it to learn from the light of, of Yahweh. Yeah. Um. But so now, are we in the last days? That wasn't the last days.
1: Well, I we're in the last days. Oh, Yahoo is he's done with the with the land of Israel. It's done. It's a land of uh, So history. then you
0: so then you do disagree with the Hebrews eleven that. And Hebrews, uh, Genesis 15 and 22, that that, the land promised to Abraham is not, you're saying that you do not think the scriptures, because it's very clear, the land promised to Abraham is inheritance forever, is between the Euphrates and the Nile.
1: So, no, so here's the thing, so here's the thing, Sean, one of the reasons, generally when you get in discussions like this, people are going to walk away and they go... Uh certain people think, well, who quoted more scripture? Whoever talked about more scripture is the person who won this discussion, right? So it's not
0: it's not a contest. I'm genuinely no, trying to understand where you're coming from. That's fine.
1: One of the reasons, Sean, that I'm trying to keep away from discussing some of these scripture for to you is because you and I, I I'm trying to explain the situation, and you're not you're not seeing it because you see a scripture a certain way, and I see it a certain way. OK, and it's no matter it, no matter I've seen enough of your shows where uh, you'll argue with someone or discuss with someone about the Torah. Right. Someone comes on and they're anti-Torah or somebody comes on and they're pro-Trinity. Right. And you're going to discuss against it. And it doesn't matter what scripture you show them. They're not going to see it. OK, but, they're not going to see it.
0: I hear you. But Noel, I've put scriptures up tonight just to ask you, how do you reconcile with your with what you've said? With this scripture and you say i i can't comment on that
1: yeah there's some things that there's something that's things not that, an
0: opinion that's withholding your opinion <laughs> i can't even hear your opinion to even consider it because you're withholding right. it so right if you, you had an opinion on the scriptures it would help so, so i can understand you better
1: the reason i came on tonight was to show my investigation and my research okay and so that's what i was hoping to talk about tonight so talking about the world fairs real quick okay Now, you had said that they could have mocked that whole thing up, but it's not taking into account a lot of the irregularities. Let me just let me just talk about this backdoor approach real quick. Um, The flat earth. okay. a lot of people uh, you could, Sean, you could show them passages about the, the flat earth and you could show them again and again about the firmament. And about, you know, the, the great deep and the pillars of the earth and the sun and the moon moving or the, the sun moving in the earth, you know, the, or the sun standing still, you, you know what I mean? The sun moves, the earth stands still. They're not going to get it. Some people are not going to get it. You could show them time and time again. They're like, sorry, I don't get it. Sometimes though, one of the great things about the flat earth is that something you can go out and you can evaluate for yourself. And it has brought many people to the Bible. OK, so right now you have this whole movement of people out there researching the mud flood and Tartary and they hate the Bible. OK, they're flat earth They don't want anything to do with the Bible. And so when you come in and you show them that, look, what you're researching right here, and this is legitimate stuff, the Bible actually explains this. You have to get out of you know, the box of you know, doctrines and so on and so forth, preconceived notions but it actually does line up really well okay and many people are coming to the torah because of this many people in my ministry have come to me and go no i didn't even know about the torah and all of a sudden i learned that there was this king and this king had these laws and that the people rebelled against those laws and i wanted to know what those laws were and then i learned about this eternal law and i want to obey that i don't want to disobey the king okay and many people are coming to the truth through this but our, it's, it's like preterism. I could sit here all day and argue why I believe the New Testament is written to the 40-year generation from Yahushua HaMashiach to, to the temple being destroyed. And 99% of Christians aren't going to get it. They're not going to get it. It doesn't matter what you show them. They're like, I, that's not my worldview. That's not my preconceived notion. I believe we're, you know, Revelation is still future tense, right? Okay, let me just comment on this on San Francisco real quick. All right. You've probably seen the Urbano-Monte map. It was Rob Skiba who actually made it popular for a lot of um, flat earthists. The Urbano-Monte map is an incredible, huge map of the uh, AE uh, projection. All right. Now it's officially dated to 1587. All right. If you look on the Urbano-Monte map, it shows San Francisco. It says San Francisco on there. The problem is, is that San Francisco was not founded until 1776 and it was not named until 1845. So now you actually have a map that does not line up with official history. All right. Now, also, Urbano Monte should point out the it actually the one is actually an I. So when we say it's 1587, it's actually saying this is the year of Jesus 587. All right. And that's one of the mysteries uh, when we go uh, look. at
0: You'd have to prove that statement, right? Like that it's not 1587, but it's 587.
1: So, yeah. So you can look, you can do this. You can look into this. I'm pointing this out for the people out there. Look into this. Okay. Look into the thousand years of missing time, thousand years of missing time where we go up to the seven hundreds and then it stops. And then all of a sudden we're in the 1700s. And so you have all these, I's, the year of Jesus, uh, 932, whatever. Um, another one will be, uh, well, J, year for Jesus. But then the other one, the big giveaway is the X, the year of Christos. And when you're actually going to, like, you're looking at cemeteries in Boston and you're seeing J, 700 and something, you're just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you start, you know, seeing this open up. So, we have you know a thousand years of missing time and that doesn't line up with, with, with official history. Now as I pointed out, there are so many irregularities with these cities. The urbano Monte map shows St. Louis, it shows Chicago It names them something else, but it shows full-blown cities right there. and this was supposed to not you know it, it, in 1587 there were not cities anywhere uh, west of the Mississippi River. It didn't exist. Well,
0: technically, yes, they did. According to Indian tribes that had entire settlements uh, in Minnesota, even Um, like there's.
1: Fair point. Fair point. San Francisco, though, was not one of them.
0: Okay, I mean, I'm going off the assumption of what you're claiming, right? I have no way to validate it on the spot. All right, I can't because you're claiming there's some some building with an I instead of a one.
1: Um, No, a, a map. Okay.
0: All right. And, yeah. and you're saying that this is all happening in the americas but the what World about War. genealogical records so you believe that all the uh, asiatic countries were a part of this as well and that uh, all of indians records uh, china's vast extensive records of families and genealogies yeah that the communists burned in the 1950s that they mm-hmm. had dating back to the han dynasties and you think all that was just fabricated over time
1: no not necessarily Um, Because they have it
0: dating back 4,000 years, the Indians and the Chinese. Like they have records of uh, emperors, changeovers, dynasties, creeds, what they taught in doctrine, how they I mean, like, so you're saying all the like all the Mesopotamian cylinder seals that are found, uh, which which give out timelines and exchanges. And uh, like you're just saying all that's been fabricated. I I have to understand if you're saying worldwide.
1: No, a lot of people are. Uh, a lot of people will say that, yes, the uh, we do know that a lot was fabricated. I mean, a lot of the the Jesuits, the Benedictine monks, they did fabricate a lot of stuff. Um, I don't think that it was all fabricated. So one of the ways I like to talk about history – now, we can look at in the media today, it's all lies. They're fabricating everything. And so how much of history is like this? So uh, one of the ways I like to look at history is uh, – I'm going to go here right now – is looking at the Holocaust – all right. So most people, when they look at Auschwitz, they think of a terrible No, I need to back up here and tell everyone. World War II sucked. It was bad for everybody. OK, I would not want to be in World War II. You know, either you're running alongside a tank or dodging bombs going off. You know, as the allies are firebombing everybody. Right. It was a terrible time. Uh, in Auschwitz, most people look at that and they all they see is gas chambers. That's all they see. And yet if i were you know trying to eliminate a human race i would not build and i have the audubon i have the most pristine tanks i'm not going to build a gas chamber with a wood door uh with a glass window on it it's not going to happen right so when i look at the holocaust i see these concentration camps I would not want to be living in and nobody wants to live in a concentration camp. It's not a pleasant picture, but there was no master plan to eliminate a human race. There was no gas chambers killing people off. That's all fiction, right? So my point in this is that when you're looking at history, you're seeing seeing true events lined up with fictional events and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is true here and what is fictional? What did this look like? I don't have all the answers for it. Now, speaking of genealogies, um, it is true that back in the East they have ancient records. That doesn't disprove anything, but I do find it interesting that I can I have never seen in my life that I've spoken to anybody who has traced their family back over a thousand years. Now I tried myself; it went dry around 1200. I was able to uh, trace my family back to the 1200s around the court of King Henry VIII. Around there, um, I spoke to a professional genealogist recently. And she was telling me that um, it seems as though 1500 years ago, all records come to an end. And there, she, she was telling me that there appears to be some sort of huge reset of it. We're talking about the year 500, in which the Earth was repopulated again. And okay, real quick, the-
0: I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I got a super chat. Hard uh, hitter 50. Thank you so much for the super chat. Uh, Keeps spreading the truth. Flat Earth is truth. Been watched once. It's it what's it gets it. your Flat Earth. Much love. Yeah. Thank you so much for the super chat, man. It's really generous of you. Um, I appreciate that. And and Noel, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, but before we move to any other any other spot, this this point of the conversation is interesting. I don't know who your friend is that was the genealogist or the historian, and whatnot, but I do know who my you you talked about Griffin, my last name, my father's name. But on my mother's side, I'm Cherokee and Chickasaw, which actually goes into the Choctaw Nation, um, as far as the extent of the Chickasaw. So they do have histories; they do have recorded maps that are verified by multiple people groups and multiple tribes. Here's one of them that goes back to the 16th century. There's entire federations of Native tribes that held a long-standing peace from the 1300s to the 1600s, all up and down the Eastern seaboard, all the way down to Florida. These were federations of large nations of native tribes. They had their own government system. The Iroquois had their their own system of elders. This is documented, passed down through multiple different nations and verified historical chain of secession. In my own Chickasaw family, I've got pictures of people back to the mid 1800s. So like, I don't, like I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade on your friend, the historian, or whatnot, but I just don't know, man. I don't. There's a lot of claims. I said, I
1: said, I said, fifteen hundred years, not the eighteen hundreds or the fifteen hundreds. I said fifteen hundred years.
0: But I'm, I, but I'm, I'm directly showing you a map that's been compilated from the testimony of federations of Native Americans going back over five hundred years, that would dispel what you're claiming because no. this goes into the sixteenth century is the fifteen hundreds.
1: I, I don't, I guess I don't see it. By the way, Sean, I'm having a lot of fun. I want to let you know that. Um, I think that I, I actually feel bad for everyone out there because normally when you do these, you're able to th- throw up scripture verses, right? And people can follow along. And I, I know that I'm talking about p- things where people are like, I'm sorry, I, I I'm totally lost all. And this is, this is hard trying to come up with, you know, showing people, Four to five years of research in like two hours and trying to give you you know complete picture and all the questions I've had, but I I don't I don't see how that the Native Americans in any way being it's not just the Native Americans, Sean. It's it's Europe, it's it's Asia, it's South America, all over. There are people groups that. All I'm saying,
0: brother, is you're trying to say that there was a millennial kingdom here up until the 1500s, but the native tribes have a historical record of genealogy. Tribal lands, marriages, confederations, but the wars they fought—like they have an entire history that conflicts with this claim and this narrative.
1: So does so does Euro- so does Europe? I mean, I don't I don't get what you're saying. I could look at history books for I could read about the Crusades. I could- yeah, but this is
0: not these are not people that were controlled by the elites or this because that's the general claim of European history is that oh well it's controlled by the elites so of course they can write whatever they want the next generation won't know the difference we have a, a secession of hereditary in native tribes that, that know who their people were. And this yeah. is, this is not, th- th- these were the people that were trying to be extinguished by the Europeans. Yeah. So this is, there's a huge conflict in it's a not, in logical knowledge here. I just don't understand these claims.
1: Right. That's the problem. You're not understanding it. It's not a conflict at all. It, it's, it and I, I,
0: especially brother, it's not that I'm not understanding it because I'm incapable It's because the the information doesn't line up is what I'm saying.
1: I don't understand how you're saying that because the Native Americans have tribes and heritage and history and families and children and that the conquistadors and the Spaniards came over and eliminated them. And then, of course, other people groups as well. um, How that explains away the Millennial Kingdom. I mean, I, I.
0: so this is why I keep asking you to define the millennial kingdom with boundaries, because the Bible defines boundaries for where the millennial kingdom will be and all nations will gravitate to it for feasts of the Lord. So I'm asking you, can you define where do you think this millennial kingdom as territory, as a X, Y axis on the GPS, where exactly was it and how did other people interact with it?
1: I believe that the kingdom of Messiah was experienced in the entire realm. This is what I'm talking about, about the cathedrals, which we can find all through America, the dome buildings. We find them in Asia. We find them everywhere. I believe they were, it was all over the earth and that these kings and priests came and served humanity all over the earth. They came from New Jerusalem. They came from the hidden wilderness on the other side of the earth. They came over here. At that time, it was disclosed. The the darkness would have been gone. It was when, when the hidden wilderness was revealed, so was the city. And then when the hidden wilderness is disclosed, so is the city. Right? And no,
0: because no, I don't see Scripture saying that, though. That's the problem. Well, I showed you but, that. but I, I hear, Actually, it says this, the, the token which you've been seeing, which is a city that has now been removed, will then be seen. So it didn't quite say what you claimed of it, but I, I, we talk about that passage all the time, brother. We, we quote it. We've done whole videos on that passage, 2nd uh, Ezra seven twenty six. In fact, I got in an unfortunate uh, heated discussion with some other brothers that we know about that passage because I was you know, trying to show them, here, here's the direct concept that the Garden of Eden was on the ground, was withdrawn, it comes back made bigger as the New Jerusalem. And all the descriptions about when it returns, it never goes away again. It, all the See, nations come to it all the time.
1: Right. All right. And this is one of the problems, Sean, is that like you and I both read the Bible. We read the same Bible. We read the same extra biblical books. OK, we both run ministries. We both dig into these things. And this is why it's it's not worth it. OK, to dig into the scripture, because no matter what I say, you're going to say it says something else.
0: All right? No, I'm saying if, if I actually read to you what it say.
1: I read to you what it said. and You, know, you apparently have a different translation, but I read you. My translation.
0: So I but I read scriptures tonight too. And I was asking you what you say on those. I didn't really get, I just got I disagree and I don't have much comment on those. And that's where I'm saying you would we would get further in this conversation. If you've watched any of our stuff, brother, you should know I'm always talking about the Bible. I literally talked about it opening up this discussion tonight, how you may see a lot of scriptures in the live chat, uh, for everyone to try to remain remain calm because we we're if we hear theories that we don't understand from scripture. This particular channel, this particular group, people that watch this channel, we we try to cite scripture as much as possible to build our foundation for theology and for and for all of our theories. So I get it if we disagree, it's not it's not that we just disagree in interpretation of a passage. I'm not hearing a lot of interpretation from you about a passage. So all I'm asking for is, can you show from scripture what you're claiming that the New Jerusalem was here on Earth, and somehow the people who i think the bible says the people are supposed to live inside of it the resurrected saints live inside of it you're saying no they lived all across the earth yeah okay so do you have a scripture that would tell me that because i've got other scriptures that say they will never have to leave the city that is their inheritance that's where they live
1: sean so I will invite everybody, because you keep talking about how you're all based on scripture here, and anyone who follows my work knows that I'm actually, uh, when it comes to greater Tartary research, I'm actually pretty slow at it, because everything I do is trying to be based on scriptural passages, okay, so I'm going to invite everybody uh, to who would like to learn more about my position on the scripture. I've got dozens of papers. I've got dozens of books. You can come read that, okay? I'm not going to come on here tonight, uh, Sean, and, you know, argue about scripture. I'll smoke a cigar, if you will. I mean, I'll, I'll let you talk about it and, and disprove me using scripture, and I'll just sit here and smoke. Um, I would rather... Um, I'm getting ready to light it up. I would rather, you know, talk about my research into the, into uh, ancient society, and the millennial kingdom. You
0: we've, we've definitely allowed ample time for you to discuss these things. And I'm just trying to, like I said, at the beginning, I, if I let you just talk interrupted, this is not a back and forth discussion and the people, if they're not following and I'm not even following, then I want to stop and be able to ask questions for you to dig in in a certain spot and help me understand how you're coming to these conclusions. Well, so, I answered. Yes, that, yes I think or no, I, I haven't, Okay, so you did say you believe that when when you think the millennial kingdom was here, the inhabitants that would be the resurrected saints. And and I still haven't heard a definitive time period on when they're resurrected. But you think the resurrected saints that live inside that kingdom did not stay inside that kingdom, but instead went out for a thousand years throughout the earth and lived other places. Did I hear that correctly? Well,
1: that was a loaded question because you actually uh, you did not repeat it as I said it. Uh, by the way did you know sean that i was actually um interrogated by Mossad once um and uh in israel it was a fun experience and they would they would do the same thing um i'm having fun tonight but i'm saying this is kind of getting close to a close second to Mossad. you haven't asked me to take my clothes off yet uh but um anyways no did i did Mossad not
0: ask you to prove your theory from scripture
1: no, they, they they tried to get me to prove that I wasn't a terrorist working with the... Uh, How is this anything like
0: that, brother? How is this anything like that?
1: So uh, I did answer your question. I've said that the resurrection event happened sometime in the 500s. I answered that one. Uh, I have tons of things here that I didn't get to show on why that was. Um, and now of course a lot of people they're going to uh, who are looking into the Mill kingdom are going to say that happened around 71 or 70. I differ on that and I think that the uh, the history of the church uh, the growth of the church, the growth of the kingdom uh continued on until it came into this world um and so again you, you had said that it wasn't a part of this world no this what I, I'm in in uh, South Carolina line right now I'm not sure what state you're in the entire world would have been part of it, okay? The thousand years, it's an eternal kingdom. I have to keep stating this. It did not come to an end. But on this section of the world, there was a rebellion from the people where they didn't want it anymore. And of course, Yah uh, hands people were the desires of their heart. So I don't know what you would like. I mean, I've told you where New Jerusalem was. It may have come, it may not have yet. I answered that question. I answered the question of when the resurrected, when the resurrection happens, it would probably I, I, I gave apologize. you I I apologize. You...
0: you said that you don't think the what we call the Euphrates and the Nile today is actually what's being referenced in Genesis. So therefore I did not sure. hear, I didn't hear where you said you think the New Jerusalem was for a thousand years. Where do you think it was for a thousand years?
1: Well, if it came down to the earth, uh, then it would still be here on the earth and it is in the same place where it came down.
0: Wait, we just had like 20 minutes of conversation an hour and a half ago about you thinking it was here, but then it was removed to an outer lands where there's no sun and no. Moon and darkness.
1: I never said that. You were misunderstanding me. This please please me-
0: clarify, because that's what I heard. And everyone, else, please clarify what you think. Where did it go if it was here for a thousand years?
1: So I asked the viewers to look up at the moon. The next time there's a full moon, look up at it. And so the, the moon is white uh, with some gray areas. OK, it's a negative image. The gray areas would be reverse, it would be white, and the white areas would be gray for the oceans, okay? So all the white places on the moon is the oceans of the world. All the gray areas are continents. Well, the reason we know that this is a moon map and this is cutting-edge stuff is because we have the AE map on there. You can see you can see where I am just north of Florida on the moon, okay, and it's all there. Now, it's a photographic uh, a negative of the greater realm. We are like one third of the earth. All right. There's your 33% right there. We are like one third of the earth. This is what the United Nations has in their control, which of course, you know, probably refer, you know, it just went really silent. Hopefully I'm still on. Um, You're still on. And there are all these continents to the north of us. Okay. So the mountain of YAH, I know you're going to disagree with this and that's fine. The mountain of Yahs to the north, okay? Mount Zion is it is that the plot of land in Israel. I do think it's the plot. I do think that's probably Israel. I have some theological reasons for concluding that. I think the land, the 1948 land, is the historic land. Most of the people in my field of research will totally disagree with me on that. But I think that Yah is done with that land. I think a, a revelation is very clear. It ends that it is a, it, it ends kind of on a, on a on a down note, because on one hand, you have this land that Abraham was physically promised this promised land. But of course, as we read in Hebrews, he's looking forward to a greater land. Right. But uh, it, it Yah brings him in. He's like, look, if you choose the blessing or the curse, if you choose the curse, you will be tossed from the land. Of course, he divorces Israel. Then we see the whore of Babylon, Judah, get divorced at the end of uh, Revelation. And it ends on a down okay. It's like this land. If
0: we would disagree on all that stuff. Okay. This,
1: yeah, this land, yeah, this land is a land of haunts and demons now. Like he's done with it, and so now he has. this. So his
0: foot touches on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah 14 when all the nations come to attack him. You do you think that verse has already happened? Because it doesn't look like he's done with it in that verse.
1: Zechariah 14 uh, was would have been fulfilled in. 66 to 70 AD. And here we are talking about preterism Mm -hmm. again. Um, But yeah, I think that I think...
0: All the nations didn't come to attack him, brother. In in AD 66. uh,
1: Actually, yeah. The the Roman garrisons that came in, they had uh, people from all over the world uh, in there. And I'm not just... From different nations, like different platoons and such. Uh, So it wasn't just Romans that came in. It was actually a a wide conglomerate to come in and... They were destroyed with
0: fire... To the point where their eyes melted from their sockets before they fell to the ground.
1: It was pretty. It was pretty brutal. Yeah,
0: the Romans had that type of weaponry. They could destroy people and melt their internal organs before their skeletons fell to the ground. Yeah, I believe that fourteen talks about.
1: Yeah, um, I think that one thing was really hopeful for me was a couple of years ago when uh, my group uh, back then I was co-leading with two other guys, uh, Michael and Rob. I think Michael might be here in the crowd today. and we went through Hebrew Revelation. You know, I recommend that for everybody. If no one has read Hebrew Revelation, it's it's pretty pretty awesome. And um, of course, you know we have most of the New Testament in Hebrew now. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I did a study on John. I did one on James and Jude in Hebrew. Um, I was kind of freaking out uh, going through uh, Yochanan because he's not the Lamb of God in that. I was like, uh, what's going on? But um, actually, in He the Hebrew Revelation, by the way, is called the cap- the Confidential Councils of Yahuwah. That's pretty badass. It's not called Revelation. Anyways, um, going through a line for line on that, it was, it, it was pretty self that to me that Revelation was literally fulfilled in 66 to seventy. I was talking 80.
0: about Zechariah 14, brother. It promises yeah. that the fire, we also see the same tempest of storm and fire so, in 2nd Ezra 13. It promises that those armies that are attacking Jerusalem at the return of the Messiah, that they're from all nations and that they're, they're horses, that this plague that hits them this fire melts their eyeballs and their tongues before they fall to the ground. Like this is what, like what you're claiming. The Roman army had a weapon like that. Christ. You're saying that Christ didn't do this, but the Roman army did this. Um, in AD 66.
1: In AD 66. Yes. I believe that. Well, they actually destroyed it in 70 AD. They came. They, if they
0: started- had that kind of weaponry, why didn't they take over the world in like two years and, and forever have it, never lose it. So uh,
1: Zechariah 14, interestingly, see if we are to talk about preterism, and I know this is probably where you're most comfortable, and so you want to take it. So No, oh, brother, I'm oh.
0: asking just about the scripture, the descriptions of the coming of the Lord, not about preterism, just the descriptions of the coming of the Lord and all nations trying to fight Yeshua at his return. The Mount of Olives is in that prophecy, and I'm trying to say to you, it, it says that he, re- he descends on the Mount of Olives. So like, you're claiming that he's done with Israel.
1: Well, yeah, uh, he actually did uh, go stand on the Mount of Olives and he was that, standing, on the, he was standing that, on the Mount of Olives when he said what would happen in that generation. It's kind of funny. But you're
0: claiming that happened in 8066, but you say the ushering in of the kingdom was 433 years later. Yes, that's what I'm saying. 434, technically. So yeah. that doesn't that doesn't jive because Zachariah 14 is talking about a specific moment you're claiming happened in 8066. Because when he ushers in his kingdom, when he comes back and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives, Going forward, all nations for, will come to him to celebrate tabernacles in the same chapter of Zechariah 14.
1: It's your show, uh, Sean. Take it, take it off.
0: I'm just asking you to help explain the you know, the yeah. continuity of your story. That's all. I just don't understand.
1: Well, the continuity of my story makes total sense. I put a lot of work into this. And uh, see, the, here's the thing. If I start talking about Matthew 24, we're going to get into the argument of this and that generation you know, if I start talking about Luke 17 and how Luke 17 actually mirrors Zechariah 14 and how he says that the prophets will be fulfilled. Like it, it's to me, I'm looking at this and going, all the prophets were fulfilled. Like Yogusha Hamashiach came as the last prophet to say everything you've read, it's happening to this generation. And see, here's the thing. Then,
0: then why is Peter talking about it happening for a distant generation? Like, I'm, a little confused i guess on the eschatology but it's okay we can have disagreements on eschatology just
1: call me an, just call me an eschatological tartar
0: okay okay so yeah this is where do you believe that there's descriptions um of the old testament about the kingdom come in the old testament yeah okay so but you think it happened in 8500 not 8066
1: well hmm. technically if i were to take that uh, typical preterist route I would probably say 71 they usually say 70 71 maybe 72 uh, because technically the you know you have like a, a war that I can't remember when the war ended it was 71 72
0: okay okay yeah I mean going into preterist uh, ideology is a totally different concept they, there's a lot of a lot of issues with that I feel like um, so yeah I did try to look into the moon map thing. Uh, a couple years ago, um, I didn't see I didn't see a lot of grounding for me to keep researching it. But it sounds like you kept researching it, and um, and it seems as if your understanding. Tell me if I'm summarizing this correctly. It seems as if your understanding of your timeline for when the kingdom was here, if if you believed it was a physical, literal kingdom, fifteen hundred miles tall, that it was now, rem- it was in a position, it was in a piece of land on the that we can only see on the moon map represented on the moon map. And I guess yeah, the, the controllers of this world won't let us travel to it. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah. It's like, like Antarctica type of idea. Yeah. So the, um, during the kingdom, um, I think that the, the understand. Okay. So think about like this, the global deception. Okay. The Earth deception is, is perfect because it's not just hiding the creator. It's hiding the kingdom. And so they're actually, We hear all the time about their hiding land and the moon map shows us it's not just speculation because, again, we can see where we are on the realm and we can see the greater realm in there and all that they're hiding. Now, keep this in mind that, yes, they're hiding it because Intel works on a material but also a spiritual level, right? Who is hiding it? Satan is hiding it. They're all hiding it. But it's not like any of us could just go travel there, right? It's total darkness, total ice. There are a lot of accounts, a lot of accounts, Sean, of ancient texts of talking about how people were specifically taking over to this other part of the world to see it. The people call it the uh, the Isle of Bless. The the Native Americans talk about it too, the Isle of Bless. Uh, I just read to my group, He Walked the Americas. I had forgotten to mention that earlier when I talked about how Yahushua Hamashiach came to the Americas, but they talked about that too, how he sailed. It said at the end of it, he sailed to the Isle of Blessed, and he actually had a whole entourage of ships. It's pretty cool. He had like three ships with him, a bunch of dudes uh, wearing armor and stuff. Uh, And um, so yes, during the kingdom, the entire expanse of the earth. let me help explain this to any of the Tolkien fans out there. Um, there's probably some Tolkien fans in the house, and Tolkien was like into some deep stuff. And he, C.S. Lewis was too. And one of the, he talked about how uh, Middle Earth was originally created to be flat. It was this huge flat plane. And then he gives this story about the, the uh, if everyone remembers the trilogy, the guy who became the king, Aragorn, he came from this civilization that was kind of like Atlantis. And that civilization was destroyed when the flat Earth became a globe. Okay, they don't talk. They don't tell you that in the movies. All right. So Tolkien says the Earth was flat. It became a globe. Okay, and which is a lame explanation exoterically, but on an esoteric level, it's brilliant because mm-hmm. when the elves are going to the uh, to the Undying Lands, which is pure talk, Okay, when they're going to the Essene, the the Undying Lands, they actually have to take the high road. What is the high road? According to Tolkien, they couldn't go there on a globe map. They had to go on a flat earth map, right? I'm trying to explain this in a way where we, we see uh, in this, where we, we see why they covered up uh, the, the flat earth deception, because if everybody knew the earth was flat, then, you know, there would be this understanding of these greater lands. So yes, there is a huge chunk of land. We could see it on the moon. This is where the eternal kingdom is over on that side of the, the, the earth. And that's where, if New Jerusalem is here, that's where I think it is. I know you have the the Euphrates River uh, reference. Um, You know, one of the problems with a lot of scripture is, you know, they're not all going to agree on every single little detail. I, I, I obviously don't believe that New Jerusalem is in the Euphrates River, if this is indeed the Euphrates River. I mean, the thing is, is there's coded talk too, like Zion. Zion is not uh, just uh, south of the Mount of Olives. Zion is actually in the north. And one of the things I'm doing that's really fun is I'm digging through the Paleo-Hebrew. And the Paleo, of course, is not your father's Bible study. The, the Paleo is the next frontier of biblical studies. Um, and it, showing that we are on the cutting edge of a new pioneer of, of biblical studies. And um, going through, uh, she actually might be listening tonight, Miss Pamela. She's a wonderful person that I'm working with. And we're going through these translations in the Psalms where it's talking about the assaults on the mountain of Yahuwah and Mount Zion, far in the north, and they go there by ships. It's really cool stuff. Can't, you know, I don't know, it's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late. I can't, we're well, at this point, I think, feel like we're just like not, you know, getting anywhere. We kind of just, I'm like, I I like I'm, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, Right, thank you. I appreciate that, Deshaun. I'm having a lot of fun on here, but I do feel bad. I have to be honest. I feel bad because usually, you know, when I go through my presentations, I have all these pictures, all these slides and you know, I go through everything and I'm not able to do that. So I feel very handicapped, um, you know, talking about these things that uh, I would have loved to spend the whole time just talking about these marvelous cathedrals. And I kind of stopped because I'm like, you know, it's, you know, it, it, <laughs> I just can't take people through without pictures, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah, I understand that. We use a lot of visuals as well. Um, well, I can't say that I have a 100% uh, picture of what you what you believe. And I, I didn't expect I would in, in a single conversation. Uh, I have watched some of your content. Um, oh, really? What did you watch? It was a year ago, maybe. It was uh, two or three videos you were doing at the time. I can't remember the names. I'd have to go back to your channel and try to find the recognizable thumbnails. But um,
1: probably a seven thousand year timeline deception. That you want know, to guess?
0: Maybe, maybe. Um, but I ultimately, I think I, you know, if I remember correctly, I may have had the same questions going through my mind as I asked tonight. You know, as far as some of these descriptor details that we see in scripture, and because that's, I guess, we're just different in, in how and what we base our our uh, evidence off of. Because I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, bro, if it's not in the scriptures, and I and you and I both agree that the American canon of 66 is highly edited from what other Christian communities have had around the world throughout time, that they've had additional additional books they considered scripture with additional information. We talk about that. We have a whole, a whole show we call Honor of Kings. We're about to start season four later this year where we talk about the books not, not in the American 66 canon. So I'm not just trying to have tunnel vision. But at the same time, right now and what I heard from you tonight, I still am left with a lot of discrepancy from what I feel scripture says very plainly.
1: That's fine. And Sean, just, you know, you and I have way more in common than you might even realize. And um, uh, however this looks tonight, um, my I am very much scripturally uh, backed in research and, you know, it, just so everyone knows. I mean, I started out um, futurist. Revelation hasn't happened yet. Of course, we all came through recognizing how evil Zionism is and all that kind of stuff. I grew up with Hal Lindsey, you know, watching his show, Tim LaHaye. Um, And a lot of this stuff I've had to, uh, as I work through it, I have all these questions. uh, I had to really unlearn what I've learned. It's a big process. And one of the things that's difficult is that I, I, let me give you an example, Sean. Uh, Back when I was fresh in the flat earth people would come up to me and go like, but Noel, what about satellites? Haven't you seen pictures of you know of, of the earth from satellites? I'd be like, yeah, I've seen them. And they're like, well, that disproves your whole theory. Like, do, you no think does that?
0: My, do you think my my questions about scripture tonight? No, really no, no, no,
1: okay. no, 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 no. Let me, let me help you understand. I'm saying this to everyone out there. I'm not just talking to you, Sean. I'm talking to everyone out there. And I wouldn't answer their questions. And people are like, well, you can't answer my questions. I'm like, well, actually, I can I just, I choose not to. And the reason being is that, Everybody has to search this out for, self, for themselves. They have to dig within themselves. And they.
0: Well, brother, they, respectfully, I asked you on here. So I, even before we started the show, I said, you know, we could, we have differences on the kingdom and how we view it. Would you like to talk tonight and how we compare and contrast our, our differences? Well, sure. that, that inherently assumes that you're going to answer some questions that I ask you.
1: I feel like I did. I, I tried uh real hard to help you understand the New Jerusalem situation, uh the boundaries of the kingdom. Yeah. I didn't even I, I didn't even yeah. get into the outer darkness. We didn't even cover but that. You're
0: just saying you you're admitting and acknowledging that you are refusing to answer the scripture with questions.
1: No, I just said that I, I I I tried real hard to answer those questions. Okay. I spent this whole time trying to answer the resurrection. You're saying see, I think what you're saying is that what I hear you saying is that to your satisfaction, I have not answered it. I no, have I'm not saying- convinced I have not convinced you, therefore, I have an answer. I no, have answered No, no, the-
0: I'm saying if you brought up, if we're talking about math and I'm, in a, and you're telling me two plus two is four, and I'm like, okay, but you know, and I try to put in polynomials to also get the answer four, and you didn't know what I was talking about, I would try to walk you through it, or you would have a different mathematical way to come to four that you would show me. So tonight, you make a claim, and I say, "Okay, well, the scriptures say this. I feel like it contradicts. How do you reconcile?" And you're like, "Well, I don't. I choose not to explain that or talk about it." What and What
1: did I choose not to uh, just become? Um, because I don't remember. I, I probably Second Peter three ten,
0: Ezekiel thirty seven, uh, Isaiah thirty three. Like, I mean, so I yeah, there's there's a couple different significant spots I, here trying to, try I don't to rem- put together your theory.
1: I don't remember Ezekiel and Isaiah. I do remember you talking about Second Peter. I actually mm-hmm. brought that one up, and I was talking about the milted cities.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and that's I all, actually, that's I'm saying. I, I don't not, think that you're being disingenuous. That's why I was saying earlier, I think that you're just, you, actually, you're passionate about your theory and you're I, wanting to share it with me. And I think that you're, you're, you're sharing it very quickly. And I'm just saying sure. this, uh, some of the things you're mentioning, I, I'm not, I'm not new to their reference, but some of the details you're building a theory upon and the nuances therein, I am new to those. And I'm asking just for more clarification, so, but I, yeah. I felt that it was a little, 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 all over the place in right. some, some areas.
1: Okay. Okay, so you keep going back how I, because of the heavens dissolving, and you feel that I have not answered your questions because of that one question.
0: No, many questions, but that was one of them.
1: I don't remember Ezekiel and Isaiah. I'm sorry. I really it's okay. don't. It's all right. But, yeah, you might have just said that, like, in passing, and I was talking about other things. But the, what I did say to that passage, and it, it this is a very different worldview for you and me. Like, people, people will come up to me and go, but no, there's stars in the sky. I thought the stars fell. I'm like, yeah, the stars did fall. And they're like, well, why are there stars in the sky? Well, that's because the stars come and go. You know, one of the things uh, we have a account in uh, 1833, where there was on one night, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't remember what month, there were 150,000 stars falling per hour. There, apparently there was, you know, I don't know how they could you know, count millions of stars, but over. Wait, wait,
0: what are you, where are you getting this information? What are you talking about?
1: Oh, look up, just just look up, just look up stars fell 1800s, Google it. So the one of the things I'm looking at right now in the paleo is uh, we're trying to figure out, uh, Miss Pam and I, we're trying to figure out what are uh, what was created in the first week, in the first creation week. And it's interesting that a lot of the words that are being used are not creation words. Like uh, the, the seeds, the plants, they're not creation words, meaning that they pre-existed. Uh, but there are two things that are creation words the sun and the moon. Okay. Now, one of the things we're looking at is were the stars created that week or did they pre exist? And there's a big difference to say to command them to come forth versus actually creating them. And so, one of, so when people talk about the heavens dissolved and all this kind of stuff, they have a certain, um, I almost like a post Newtonian kind of idea of it. And From my position, I'm saying, no, the stars can all go bye-bye and they can all come back again. And that this may be a repeated event throughout history. So that's, I tried to kind of answer that, but I think maybe you didn't, um, I think I tried to answer everything to the best of my ability, but I think maybe you're not, you know, there's just a disconnect and that's okay. Um, you know, I, it, this is tough. This is a this is me coming on here with no visuals and nothing is, is not easy trying to explain this to a group of people. They're like, what is this guy talking about? Right. Something that I've researched for the last several years. Um, but I have a lot of reasons for believing what I do. So, again, when somebody sometimes when people explain something, like, well, what about the heavens dissolving? It's like, how do I explain that? Like they're thinking from a post Newtonian kind of idea. No, um,
0: I'm, I'm thinking from a firmamentalist idea. I know where the stars are in the firmament model that's described in scripture. And it doesn't say that stars are dissolving. It says the heavens dissolve. In, so it's, but it's, to me, if you look into the Greek, it's, it's it's the same day of the Lord event. This is what Peter's talking about in that chapter. Anyway, we have all these other descriptions in Matthew 24 and Revelation 6. Stars fall in, the firmament's open like a scroll. This makes perfect sense. Revelation 21, 2, the sea no longer there. So we, we understand like the model we have now, how it's going to be augmented for the kingdom to come down through it on the day of the Lord at the beginning of the little rain. That's that's my understanding of all those verses. Sure. Put
1: together. that's fine. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not even convinced that the firmament was uh, created on the second day. Uh, that may be another one that was actually it it was obviously created by at one point in history um But that may be something that was actually put there on the second day, not necessarily formed on the second. Now, I don't know what Jubilee says, but, um, you know, I'm always going to put because I know Jubilee says water was created, like I think on the first day or something like that. Um, But I'm always going to put, you know, Genesis first. And, you know, we're digging into the paleo. What I'm saying is, is that, uh, oh, by the way, the Colburn Bible, I don't know if you've looked into that. It talks about how in the former creation, the firmament was there, too. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so, no, I don't believe that the firmament was shattered on the day of the coming of uh, the day of Yahuwah, um, you know, when, when the kingdom was ushered in. And we could just disagree on that. Um, I think that w- when it's using this kind of language, it's not always it, – it, I think some of it is, is not, you know, always what we make it out. And I talked about that with the resurrection. I don't think it's just a black and white thing. I do believe Yahushua HaMashiach physically resurrected from the dead. That's prophesied in the Psalms. That's an absolute must. Um, and uh, but, you know, there's different things happening, different times. So and again, I'm looking at this from multiple different you know books in scripture. So, um, you know, maybe those books are wrong. I don't know.
0: OK. All right. Well. Uh, do you feel, I know that you've got, you said it takes about 20 hours to fully explain your theory. So uh, for everyone in the live chat who thinks that I'm just interrupting him.
1: No, you're not. No, you've been, you've been. Please Sean, rewind the tape. Sean, you've been a perfect gentleman. I, um I have to, I have to admit. Okay. I, and I've had a fun time tonight. Cool. There was a little, there was a little bit too much of the, you know, I think the, probably for anyone watching the last probably 30, 45 minutes of probably really frustrating. I was frustrated. I think the audience was, but. You've been a very good gentleman. I think you have been um, kind. I think you could have just just come out and blah. You know, you know. I don't like anything this guy's saying. Um, but no, I, pre- I appreciate it, Sean. And uh, if I was, uh, I have to be honest, I was expecting um, a little bit more aggression on your part. So I uh, appreciate it. And Everyone so- always
0: does. Um, and there's and it's just assumed to me. It's really funny what's been happening the past five years because the moment I disagree with people, like the average person. Thinks I'm attacking them just because I disagree. So I want to uh, extend a compliment to you as well, that you can take my disagreement and realize we can walk away and brothers and at peace that we disagree on things. We're both still studying the scriptures, um, and uh, I I just think that it's you know people get really passionate about their about what they've studied, what they think they've come to understand. So it, it's not easy to change your mind because there was a time you know I didn't come into the biblical cosmology before I came into an understanding of, of Torah, which is what I call discipleship, actual discipleship. So, so it, was,
1: it was Torah first and then the flat earth.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it was because I was already trying to figure out how to do Sabbaths. And uh, and then I realized the definition of the ferment. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm still not done learning, you know. And so then I, I started um, f- formalizing my hermeneutic approach, which is what I teach on this channel now excuse me now. And that is to look for context and define your terms. And so that's why we put out a video called 10 easy ways to find context in scripture. And, um, and that we just try to help people understand. Like you've got to define stuff. You've got to, you know, read the whole chapter. You've got to cross reference other chapters that talk about the same topic, you know, and make sure they're using the words with the same definitions because between the Greek and the Hebrew, it does take a little bit of time to study. So, uh, but I appreciate you because we don't agree on everything, but um, you do we, believe that. So let me we, ask you this last we, question. We
1: agree on more than you know, okay. but uh, on this major conspiracy, obviously we have different, very different worldviews, but I think, I okay. think that we agree on way more than, you know, I mean, first of all, I just want to remind everybody in the audience. Um, I told you, I started out saying where Zen Garcia sat me down recently. He's like, he's a friend of mine. And he's like, you're the most controversial person I know. I take that as a huge comment. I like, think Zen that's really, that's you know very kind of you. Uh, but um I reminded him, I said, look, Zan, for all the things I look into, like, you know, did did Yahusha HaMashiach get married? You know, things like that. And people freak out over this stuff. The most controversial thing, and I've seen it on your show, uh, Sean, is that the most controversial thing you can uh, talk about is the Torah. And the fact that the Torah is eternal, that the Torah abides, and that Yah has these laws, these instructions for righteous living, and people hate that people that is the most you know awful satanic you know everything is flipped thing that you can do um so we
0: actually teach that the father and the angels keep it in heaven above we we feel the scriptures directly tell us that yeah so they they not only freak out when you say christians should keep it but they also freak out when you say god judged pagan nations for not keeping it and then also the father and the angels keep it in heaven and then the whole world will be taught it and be told to keep it forever and that's how there's peace on the earth People can freak I, out on every regard. Can
1: I throw in just one thing? One last thought. Okay, before you I, close. I've got, you one wanna, last,
0: I've got one last question for you too. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just want to throw out this observation that, that helps maybe people think about this because people are looking for evidence of did people actually uh, honor the Torah? Okay. Um, and I remember years ago when Rob Skiba was talking about, and he's, you know, he's really big on the Ephraim Awakening. And uh, he was talking about how all the different uh, major languages out there in the world have Sabbath on the seventh day. Now in modern English, we do not, we call it, you know, uh, a, a, what would we call it? Uh, Saturday. That's it. Saturday. And you know, that the lunar Sabbath people, they're like, you know, worshiping Saturn, you know, but of course English is a, uh, a, uh, a short season deception. I mean, if you go back to the Welsh language, it's like a completely foreign language. Anyways, my point is I remember him talking about how about this and I'm like, how in the world could that happen? And his explanation, I mean, he was trying the best he could. Of course, Rob Skeba would disagree with me too. But he was like, well, you know, they were cast out of Israel and they went out everywhere and they changed the, the name to Sabbath. I'm like, wait a second. They were cast out of the land for not keeping the Sabbath. How in the world then did they go to all these world governments and convince them to change the name to Sabbath? Well, I present to everybody uh, some potential evidence that uh, we have ingrained all over the world on the seventh day, on the exact same day, the Sabbath day, and that all these people that we're not talk, told about were keeping the Sabbath, at least a large chunk of the population. Um, I just want to throw that out there as a, a something to think about when people are looking for Torah in the past. I'm saying the Torah was upheld um, at this time. Anyway, Sean, go ahead.
0: So let's say your theory is true. Kingdom, kingdom, millennial Kingdom came and went. We're now in the in a Revelation 27 through 9, this idea of that Satan's been let out after a thousand years, I guess it's a two-part question, so please bear with me. Um, he's now going out, deceiving the nations, and then at some point he's going to rally all the nations to go attack the New Jerusalem, the beloved city. So,
1: Zionism in a nutshell, yeah.
0: Okay, so Zion, I'm uh, sorry. No, no I, would just, I would disagree on you talking about political Zionism, but anyway, that's a different conversation. So the point is, in uh, do, you, do you believe the first part of the question, do you believe the Book of Enoch is valid? Yes. First Enoch, not second or third, but first Enoch.
1: Yeah, I I like second Enoch too. Um, Honestly, I've never read third Enoch. Uh, You know, I've been kind of, but yeah, first Enoch, yeah.
0: All right. So, pretty sure it talks about when Satan is locked up in in chapters uh, 52 through 56. Um, It talks about when Satan is wrapped with a great chain by Michael and three other uh, strong angels that the uh, hosts of Azazel, um, in reference to the What it talked about previously, those unclean spirits that became subject to Satan, that they're thrown into the the lake of fire for destruction. And so, to my understanding, after Yeshua returns and lending rain begins, there's no more unclean spirits on the earth after that ever again. Do Do you, would you align with that? That's the first part of the question. Do you think there's unclean spirits on the earth now? Yes. Okay, so we would disagree on interpreting that passage. Second part of the question is, what? What do we actually have to look forward to now as believers? Um, what do you think is the wrap up to the story? Because from what I'm seeing, from your exegesis of all this, after Satan rallies nations to go attack the beloved city, then what? Then what? Uh, what? What promise does believers have now to walk in faith and belief with Christ and expecting an inheritance later?
1: Yeah, so uh, I would place ourselves in the tenth week of Enoch. Um, and this is the week when the watchers are released I don't really get into that tonight but you know you have the United Nations you have the, the 190 uh, was it meteor craters of cryptos, uh, crypto crypto was it whatever uh, craters which may have caused the mud flood by the way that the energy that was released could have been the watchers release um so the I don't the, the 70 Elohim of the past were probably judged uh, based on uh, the, the great commission of the 70. Uh, when Yahusha took over. And now the Watchers and Satan are back running uh, just as it was in the days of Noah. Um, and uh, where am I going with this? What am I trying to answer? I've already uh, forgot. what it, Oh, yeah. What we're looking forward to is the eighth great day. We still have the last uh, light on the menorah to look forward to. Um, and, you, you know, I, I'm sure you've probably done studies on here on the eighth great day, all the great things to look forward to. But, you know, with the eight, the number eight, right? You have like a leprosy, the eighth day to cleanse leprosy or a woman's menstruation, or there was, um, uh, you know, I think the, the, the completed a 7,000 years to, to purify the earth from the sin of Cain killing Abel, things like that, right? Uh, the eighth great day is the day of circumcision. It's the day of the circumcision of the heart. There's a lot of things to look forward to. And of course, we go into eternity. And so in the 10th week is when the watchers are released, And then they are thrown into the lake of fire and judge. We still have Satan to be thrown in the lake of fire. We have Sheol itself to be thrown into the lake of fire. And then, of course, we enter into eternity. And after that, obviously, I don't know what happens. Maybe, you know, there's whole other stories to be told that we will be part of. And hopefully I'll be, you know, in the crew. So
0: you don't think that you don't don't see a resurrection for believers for yourself? Yeah, I I think so. I think that. um, What is where is that in scripture for us? What, What do you think that is?
1: Well, we didn't talk about this. This is gonna go off in a whole different direction. because
0: um, I'm reading before you before you answer, I just let you know my perspective so you can understand, hopefully address some of this with your answer. Um, because I'm reading in scripture that we're promised a royal priesthood at the first resurrection event. You've already told me tonight you think there's yeah. multiple first resurrections. Well,
1: but you already you already missed that resurrection, so you've, you've that, missed- that's what
0: I'm saying. So you're claiming that I'm not a part of the royal priesthood, that, that whole time period of their service of priesthoods come and gone. So then, those those good-hearted believers like you and I that you think are in the time period of Revelation twenty-seven through nine, what what is promised for us? What is the uh, inheritance that we can have? I think. It-
1: well, no, I think we're all a part. I think we can all choose to be a part of the priesthood. I don't. No, I don't see. I don't see a problem with that.
0: That's not the definition of a priest. We can't just nominate ourselves. You have to be ordained by Yahweh.
1: You're talking about Levite priest. But no, because, the
0: Melchizedek's, right? We get into that same order, Revelation 27, 4 through 6, right? Those those that you believe so, already happened. They so were made priests.
1: This, what I hear happening right now is, Sean, is that maybe you're talking about maybe things that, according to your worldview, you missed out on. Uh, and so it's things you were hoping to be a part of. No, and I'm
0: asking from scripture, if in your worldview, what you've described tonight, for all believers listening, what do you think is their hope of glory? What do you think is their eternity? There? So just to be resurrected, to live, where? Where would they live when they're resurrected?
1: Uh, well, the, <laughs> the whole earth is going to be cleansed. So there's going to be no more sin, no more death. I don't really know. I don't know if I'm going to so, be in New Jerusalem or where, but it's going to be good.
0: So you're saying that basically 2 Peter 2, nine, um, I mean, Revelation 21, uh, Re- uh, Revelation... You're basically saying that all that's prophecy, the average believer today, none of it applies to them because the kingdom's come already, the resurrection's already happened. the royal saints the the priesthood of, of the resurrected saints has already happened. Um, so there's no like only thing to look left forward now is whenever you either get deceived or what killed? Is there martyrdom uh, prophesied for those who don't fall into Satan's deception in this Sean,
1: I missed out on the Garden of Eden. I missed out on. No, I'm asking
0: of, a genuine question.
1: No, no, I am, and I'm not answering it. I missed out on Mount, Mount Sinai. That would have been really awesome to be there. I missed out on the days of uh, David's kingdom. I missed out on Yehusha Hamashiach walking the earth. And yes, I'm saying that I missed out on the millennial kingdom. And so, uh, those are all things I would have loved to have been a part of, and I'm not a part of them. Not okay.
0: Brother, I'm not asking from a sense of nostalgia or fear of missing out. There's no FOMO in my sentiment. I'm genuinely asking for you from your view, what would you, if you're, if what you're saying tonight is true, what would the believer who then reads the Bible have to look forward to in the future? Because
1: I I explained the circumcision of the heart is a great one. I said, look up all the, the context of what happens on the eighth great day. There's still a lot to look forward to. New Jerusalem to look forward to eternity to look forward to being the presence of the Most High to look forward to. Okay,
0: so then you don't you don't equate the New Jerusalem to the Kingdom of God.
1: Yes, I equate uh, New Jerusalem as a part of the Kingdom of, of 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 heaven of Yahusha Hamashiach. Yes,
0: but you think the New Jerusalem already came, and now is hidden from the earth somewhere else? Did I hear that wrong?
1: Um, we have, we're getting to the point where this might not be fun anymore. Um, yeah, I've, I've explained this so many times. And you haven't. Okay. So <laughs> I'm
0: I'm just look at my hands. New Jerusalem, literal kingdom, thousand year reign that you've been talking about all night. Mm-hmm. Are they one and the same?
1: The thousand year reign is an actual thousand years. It's not a metaphor, right? What? A thousand years comes to an end, Sean. I get it
0: I'm asking are these synonymous physical kingdom real walls, real city, real river of life, trees with leaves that are food for and food and medicine for the nations reign of the kingdom of Christ on earth are right. they synonymous or do you put them in two separate times in your chronology
1: uh, I put New Jerusalem as a I don't know when New Jerusalem was built I mean uh, maybe before the foundation of the earth, but I put New Jerusalem uh, as a existing city with the thousand year reign. Okay. Either it was in heaven or on the earth. If it was on the earth, then it's still on the earth. If it was in heaven, then it hasn't come down yet. I don't know, but it could be either. Okay. So what what you're doing is you're looking at, uh, you have this specific worldview. They say it has to be this. It has well, I'm to just be just trying
0: this. to exegete scripture. I'm just trying to keep it simple. And right. And it, so
1: the, so here's the thing, uh, Sean, is that I, I too, have had, you know, these moments in my past where it's like, it has to be this, it has to be that. And I don't know. It's a flip of the coin. I started out, I, I told you, and I did answer this question multiple times. I started out thinking that New Jerusalem doesn't come down to the eighth great day. A large part of me still feels that way. But I'm willing yeah. to bend. But I'm yeah, willing because you
0: just said it, and that's what I'm, I'm asking again. But
1: I'm willing to bend and go. Maybe what w- is here on the earth, I don't really know. I I've never okay. seen it. I've never been there. To my All right.
0: knowledge. Maybe- All right, man. I, I apologize if you didn't think I heard you the first time. Um, I was just trying to trying to put this in a. Uh, we definitely. I I can say this. I am as you saw in the opening. Um, I, we got an animated series we're we're working on for the days of Noah. And um, I'm the, the lead writer for the series. It's actually being it's an adaptation from uh, a trilogy of novels I wrote in the past about the time period leading up to the flood. And so I can just tell right off the bat that you and I are very different writers. And uh, I, I think that you're a great writer, but I can see when I read your writing that you're different than me. Right. We we uh, we our brains think different when it comes to, to word on type type or pen on paper. So this may be where the disconnect is coming tonight. You're explaining things from a different, uh, it's you know, a different writing perspective. I could put it like that. Yeah, Sean, and sh- I just my brain doesn't think as abstract as that. And I'm I, looking I pre- for a little more concrete detail.
1: Well, okay, I right. So here's the thing. I appreciate that, Sean. I appreciate the, what you just gave because uh, what I don't want you walking away thinking is that I have not tried to explain myself. I have. tried I know to you speak. have. I know you. So, have. So and I, I appreciate that because I do think I do think we have a lot in common, but I think that's a good way to phrase it. Our, our brains are wired very, very differently. And um, anyways, yeah, it, yeah my, my point was co- coming on tonight was hopefully, unfortunately, I didn't really cover a lot that I, I wanted to was to try to uh, put some breadcrumb trails down for people to look into, look into the mud flood, right? Look into these things, look in the world fairs. If people come away with your opinion, Sean, that they were just built like they said it was fine. But uh, there's a lot to be, you know. It, it's it's no sweat off my back. I mean, really, I I, I understand so, that. I understand that I'm in a very controversial position.
0: A, yeah, you're, you said you're still researching things, so that's fair. That's that's what you said out loud. So that's fair.
1: Yeah, there's there's so much. Like, I, I don't know how you feel about gnosis, uh, mm-hmm. Sean, but uh, there was a, a, a when I was a philosophy major uh, way back in the day, there was a line from uh, uh, Plato that I used to really love. And he uh, was attributed to Socrates, and Socrates said, "The more I know, the more I realize I know nothing." Now, when I was an eighteen-year-old, I used to love that line, I'd be like, "I know nothing," you know, because I know so much stuff, right? And I, I hadn't eternalized that yet. It was just it was a line that I had memorized, and I finally get to this point in my life where I'm like, "OMG, oh my goodness, I know nothing, Sean. I know nothing." And this is why I'm coming at this where, you know, you're a lot of people see that as a weakness. They're like, oh, no, he's just spouting. He doesn't really know anything. It's like, no, I I've looked at so much. I've looked at so many different points of views. I I, I don't know. Like, I, I get it. There are some ways that you specifically define scripture. Uh, I, we both are in agreement that the Torah is forever and that Yahushua HaMashiach perfectly walked out the Torah. Uh, but there are, you know, I, when I say like, I don't know. It's because it's like, really, Sean, I, I I see different options. I see different possibilities, but I don't know. And um, I'm okay with that. I feel it's comfortable in that, you know?
0: Wasn't it Plato who said, um, endeavor to appear what you desire to become?
1: It, uh, it might have. That's a good quote. Yeah. Uh, he might yeah, have said is.
0: that. Fake it till you make it. I think this was, that's how the rappers take it. Fake it till you make it. Um, but I think it was also Aristotle that, that uh, talked about um, in his in his treatise on nature and the human body, he talked about um, that the uh, half of the whole is in its own right a whole. And so you say you don't know everything, but what you do know is uh, is its own whole. So this is where you're putting together information. You're you're doing research on this. Um, as as it stands today, I disagree with some of your conclusions, but I I definitely see that you're trying to research things and, and look beyond the scope of what we're told. We do that in our own right here. I mean, we got, I mean, I'm the dude, I'm the crazy dude that thinks Christ is a literal priest in heaven as the scriptures tell us. And he's literally ministering in the, in the heavenly tabernacle as Hebrews eight tells us. But most of Christians and even Torah observant Christians don't believe that they think that it's all metaphor. So I,
1: I agree with that. I, 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 and I've listened to your claims about the animal sacrifices. I know that's a big problem with the contention with a lot of people. That's one of the things where I would say, I don't know. I, I'm actually really curious to, to I'm still, I think yeah. those things, but I yeah, don't I, know, but, but I do agree with you that he is a eternal priest. He's our high priest. Yeah. And that he is ministry. He's the second Adam. He is ministering to us. Uh, and he might be doing sacrifice. I have no problem. I mean, I just
0: read Matthew 22, one through four and wedding supper of the lamb, which Jeremiah 31 calls a Passover. And there's a, there's a lamb slaughter, the fat and ox, fat and ox and the cows are slaughtered for the feast. So i mean like, there's clearly going to be animals that we eat in heaven. So what's the point? What's the problem with temple sacrifices happening up there since it's just food presented for the priests and the father, according to the law. Um, so anyway, but without going too deep into that, um, appreciate you taking the time to address the questions. And um, yeah, and we can we can have you on again and maybe we can talk more specifically about one topic that goes into this theory. Because tonight you mentioned a bunch of things. We probably could have spent two hours on each topic, you know. Yeah. So maybe in the future we can we can drill down on just one and you can bring some slides and visuals and stuff and we can look at it. But um yeah, brothers, good to have you on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Uh well guys, thank you for everyone in the chat. Thank you for not getting too out of hand. I only had to mute a couple people, but that's all good. Um, but you guys are great. Thank you for the super chats, everyone. And uh, and we'll call it a night. We we'll appreciate you. We'll see you next time.